In the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Big Rays, the Alaskan outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of Aurolic waders. Big Rays for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They are the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic, or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage, is our go-to for powder sleds and utility rigs. Whether you're in the mountains with the flat bill bros, running trap lines, or hauling freight, they have the selection to get you dialed from peaks to the valleys. Find them on Commercial Drive or akmining.com. Yeah, I hope to, hope to chat some more about that.
So I haven't gotten one yet, and I want one bad. Oh, really bad. Don't let it sit in the fridge for four years. We, uh, I saved one and gave it to the kids the other day. Uh huh. And it was the most like goaty goat goat wild. Oh, really? Goat. What was it? Burger. It was a Polish dog, and its sister dogs that were all eaten within the first year tasted delicious. It did not age well. They, and they weren't freezer burnt or nothing? No. No. Mm. Just goaty. It, it was weird. Whatever that is. I don't it know what goaty is. It was weird. There's probably some bacteria that just, like, could, you know, normally wouldn't grow really, you know, would maybe grow at, like, normal temperatures, but at that temperature... And I didn't like dip it in salt water before I vacuum sealed it. If I did that, it probably wouldn't have tasted like that. And I think that bacteria just grew in there. It was nasty. Like the kids will eat some stuff in there. Four year old. They were like, I dogs? think something's wrong with this. It tastes like fish. Like that was, <laughs> I tried it by, and I was like, nah. Yeah. Four year old. Actually, it might have been five year old goat Polish. Do you get chest freezers? Is it a chest? It, no, it's not a chest. Oh, that, that's surprising. That's where I always lose stuff is the bottom of the chest. Really? Oh, yeah. It just oh, wiggles its wrists in there. gets to the bottom. you got to rotate. Yeah. Man. Those yeah, are the worst. Know. No, I have um, the stand-up freezer. Yeah. No, I was saving it because we really liked it, and I was just like, oh, we'll just save it for a special time. And then it's just like, God, it was always right there, and I, like, bypassed it. I was like, all right, we're going to eat this now. Yeah. I thought my chest freezer went out the other day. We oh. did the full scare off, dude. Full scare off. I went and like for some reason the kids we had some ice cream in there and I was like, This is when did you buy this? This is soft. She's like, What? And so I go down and I'm like checking the salmon. I was like, Oh shit, this shouldn't be you should this should be rock hard. Right, right. So we just did the full panic, like everything into the normally like the the um the chest freezers, like the Costco freezer. Yeah. And we just move shit and just put like everything that we had from the in Yeah. But it was fine. I think it was just maybe, I don't it know. The seal was cracked. The seal was cracked or something. I was like, let's get everything out. We'll leave it on and see what happens. And yeah, it's still yeah. good. Give it opportunity to do its little thaw cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good time to clean them when you have one of those scares too. Yeah, totally. You're like, well, it's empty now. Yeah. Might as well clean it out. Yeah. You know, let everything. Is that one of those that were self-thaws or something? Like, what do you call those? Yeah. No, I'd have to unplug so, it. Well, okay, so like some freezers will... They glaciate real bad, mm-hmm. and those yeah. ones are, like, self-thawing. Yeah, it has, like, a cycle where it thaws itself. Right, and, and I, I prefer the latter, though. I like a freezer that doesn't do that. Mm. That just gets five inches of ice? Yeah, well, I feel like more shit gets working. freezer burnt more in the self-thawer than oh, it does. Oh, really? The, yeah. Mm. That's what I've found because I put my game meat in that self-thawer because mm-hmm. it's the bigger freezer, and it just has more space and i can get ocd with it the other one is like a combo fish and costco stuff yeah and that never freezer burns that one's hmm. do you go through that one faster or something uh no not yeah. really i wonder uh, we could look it up sometime and see i, I was wonder, just curious if you guys had that same kind of uh thought or, or am i tripping it's just me i've burning. never observed that but it could be something yeah. you have an alarm on your it, like yeah, it does have a little beep on it when it's when it's not it sealed all the way. Oh, okay, it does have a beep. Mm-hmm. Okay, mine doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Didn't you have a scare? Mine went out, like completely broke. Yeah, but I didn't lose anything from it. That happened to me when I was on the slope. Oh. I worked, worked on the slope for ten years. And oh no! I had a four by eight freezer. You weren't home. Yeah, I wasn't home, and I had a doll sheep cape in there. 
three life-size goat capes, a brown bear cape in there, <sighs> and 220 pounds of meat in there. Uh, oh, massive freezer. Massive. One of the big, huge chest yeah. freezers. Yeah. Four by eight, you said? Yeah. Sounds like as big as this table yeah, almost. Huge. Yeah. And, um, and that's why now I got four freezers and I got them on different circuits. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. really crazy mm. about it. It only takes once. I mean, especially when you're watching a taxidermy, you just wipe the hair off your doll sheep, your first mm. doll sheep, and the hair's just like, whoo. Oh, yeah, no. you don't forget that ever. It was like, yeah. <laughs> Man. Oh, no. Damn. But they have alarms now that you can connect to the, where you the plug Bluetooth it in, don't they? Yeah, and it'll, like, tell you on your phone. Oh, yeah, if that's it's awesome. Out. I should, we should get those. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely yeah, don't have that. Technology. Yeah, and they yeah, can fix those, sense. man. A lot of times feel people, like, mine went out, the stand-up one went out, and they're expensive, man. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could. Someone can fix this. I didn't want to just like toss that mm-hmm. beautiful, huge yeah. freezer. Um, and one guy came from the valley, dude. It ended up costing like eighty bucks. Oh, he just really? fixed like the coupler or something. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, people don't know this is all this stuff's easy to fix. Right, he just does it real quick mm-hmm. and instead of buying a new, yeah. you know, eighteen hundred dollar freezer. Mine was a condenser that went out, and when I looked it up, it was gonna be like basically new cost replacement cost cost it mm. was it was like time to get a new one well, it's worth i think having it looked at yeah and then finding yeah i paid out 100 if it can bucks to someone come look at it yeah you know yeah. those guys are always grumpy though he was happy that the garage is organized he's like oh man some places i go in <laughs> can't even get in there you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah they appreciate that I, uh, the gr- garage door repair guy can be a little bit grumpy too oh i bet oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you turned me on to that old boy, Don, I think is his name, with uh, oh, Pioneer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. actually a beauty once you get to know him. Uh-huh. He's just initially kind of grumpy because he's just like, I don't want to work anymore, but yeah. I got to. I'll do the same thing. Here I am. All he does is and you're like, hey, all happy, yeah. joyful, shake his hand. You want some hot dogs? Yeah. You know, it's like, smooth hot dogs? Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, get them all juiced up yeah. right away. Some, yeah. Give them warm and fuzzies. Like, this is a cool place to be. You definitely want to fix my garage door for sure. Yeah. That's like the perfect Alaskan icebreaker is like yeah. any, anybody you meet, you're like, hey, hey, you like to hunt? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, moose, goat, sure. fish. And usually not fish because everybody's got fish. Yeah, everybody's got fish. It's like, hey, want a muskox steak? And they're like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, and, and from the sound of it, you have like a smorgasbord. Smorgas, did I pronounce that right? Shmur- yeah. Mm-hmm. Smorgasbord. smorgasbord. Yeah. Of uh, a selection <clears throat> of protein. Proteins. A, l- given a little bit. A little bit. Uh, yeah. The last couple of years, I've been pretty lucky, a little blessed in a lot of areas to hunt a variety. I hunt a lot, you know. I I don't I don't have toys. Okay. Uh, um, I don't have a snow machine. Uh, I do have a side by side because I got a one and three year old. And if you want to get outside with one and three year old in any distance, yeah, you're gonna need need some wheels. But yeah, I mean, springtime we do bait stations. Black bear, that's breakfast sausage. That's the only thing mm. it gets made into. I get a mountain yeah. goat. That's a hundred percent burger. Yep. Um, this year, my wife got had an elk tag on a fog neck. Very little burger because we have eaten goat burger for seven years straight. So we always have a lot of burger. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, we got a little bit of variety, but you know that's that's what I do. It's like you know what what's going on this time of year. Um, well, I'm not deer hunting normally. I'd be deer hunting this time of year. And it's just like all I do is hunt. You know, it's like uh, so I, save money yeah. on the monthly toy expense. Yeah, I mean, I drive a 1998 truck, um, you know, that gets me around and good maintenance in it. But yeah. Yeah, I just like to hunt. And call I like that, to eat wild game. Call that living lean, man. 
live lean. lean. You don't got payments and credit card. Well, you know, those air flights and <laughs> transporter costs yeah. usually yeah. go on a credit card, and you got to pay those at some point. But yeah, I'm working on that pilot license now because I'm like, man. Oh, yeah. yeah Opened your eyes, didn't it? You're like, I should be flying myself into these Oh, places. you're about to have the most expensive toy. Yeah, <laughs> all, all my friends were just like, yeah, I thought you liked to hunt. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, I do, but man, I pay a lot in bush plane costs, and you know, you, you can't be mad at the transporters. I mean, cost of living, everything is getting so expensive that it's like. It's cost a lot to operate those businesses, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we've we've done that south end Kodiak hunt for, I've shot nine nine goats off that south end Kodiak hunt. And anymore, it's just, unless I have, have four or five buddies going with us in a bush plane to split the cost, it's like, man, I just can't justify it anymore. It just got too expensive, you know. The backhaul costs. Yeah. Um, the round trip costs, you know, and especially for a goat, you're getting, you know, 60, 80 pounds of meat, you know, when you could spend that same amount of money sometime of the year and fly into somewhere else and get a moose or something where you're taking home a lot more meat. Sure. But, yeah. Um, some years I specifically just hunt different animals. Like I, I typically try to avoid hunting moose, you know, and as yeah. I'm asking, a lot of people are just like, what? man, what? You don't like hunting moose? Yeah, I'm it's, like, it's yeah, like whitetail hunting in, in Michigan, you know, it's like, it's what we do. Yeah, but I also, like, when I hunt a moose, I can't hunt anything else for, like, a year. And I'm like, man, I got four freezers, but, man, I fill up yeah. three of those. It's like, well, you can't put anything oh, else in there. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Yeah. Um, welcome to Alaska Wild Project, episode 148. Uh, today we have Caleb Martin in from the Alaska Outdoor Council. Um, thanks for coming in, Caleb. Thanks, man. Appreciate I it. I think you've been on our list since, like, episode 10. Wow. And, and for out. some reason, it just hasn't, I don't know, We worked out. We run into each runs. other all the time, too. It's, it's like, hey, Caleb, will you come on the show? Oh, sorry, I'm hunting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's all I do. <laughs> got, got to do an episode on the side of a mountain one of these days. Uh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, That's we do. We do. <laughs> Speaking about the podcast, are you still doing some recording? Yeah, actually, um, I'm, I'm getting ready to kind of fire it back up. I got a pretty good list of people I want to talk to. I did it for a while, but... Then we had kids, and we're in the middle moving, and life got a little crazy. I uh, took over the executive director role with AOC, the original AOC, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, you know, life just got a little busy, as you guys know. You know, this is an investment to do this. It takes time. Yeah, it, it takes devotion, especially to do it well. And um, so, lost that for a bit. So now, kind of getting settled, and now yeah. trying to get back into the groove of things. You know, it's it's really fun. As you guys know, talking to a lot of interesting people about yeah. a lot of interesting. There's a lot of interesting Alaskans out there. Oh, there's so many. Sure. It's crazy. It's like endless, man. Yeah, yeah, but you put out some good stuff. Like Explore Alaska was the name, correct? Yeah, Explore Alaska podcast. You even had the governor on there. Mm -hmm. Um, you had some good episodes on there. Is the Explore Alaska the Instagram page yours too? Yeah. Yep. Okay, that one's hugely popular. Yeah, there's uh, so there's Explore Alaska and then there's Exploring Alaska. And Exploring Alaska is a little bit more popular. There's a guy, um, obviously a pilot that flies a lot, mm -hmm. um, really popular group. Um, but I started Explore Alaska quite a long time ago just because I was, I like to hunt a lot, but man, hunting is really driven because I like to get outside and I like to just go places and like a lot of Alaska. The adventure. Mm -hmm. The adventure, the experience, you know, because mm -hmm. you never know what is <coughs> going to be around the next oh, quarter and what you're going to run into. Amazing. So, yeah, I did explore Alaska for a long time and um, built that into a marketing brand. I was marketing outdoor companies, started doing a little retail, 
But uh, as that plate got full, and then my guiding plate got full, and then my job plate got full, and now I got two kids got full. It's <laughs> like, you know, how many hats can plate. you juggle? Oh, that's right. <laughs> you know? yeah, that's yeah, a that's full. A that's like that's like the uh, buffet plate with the baby plate full still. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like damn, I forgot the biscuits. I don't put that on there. I think you guys got kids too, so you know yeah. that plate usually takes over all the other ones right off the bat. Oh yeah, yeah. but it's getting fun now that they're like ten. 13 putting in for yeah, the youth big, hunts big kids mm-hmm. you know going on all the you've been taking your kids right oh uh, yeah um, my daughter she was on her first moose hunt with me at five weeks old nice. shot a shot a bull up on the on the slope um five weeks it was right pretty on. cool man. Awesome. brand new baby yeah uh yeah many people would probably question that yeah, decision yeah. but <laughs> you know when i found out i drew that tag that uh i knew me and my wife both wanted to do that adventure but I knew we also had to be prepared because, as you guys know, that's pretty remote country. But I yeah. built out – I was going to rent an RV for the entire thing and kit it out. And then I looked at the costs, and I'm like, man, I could probably just buy an old van for that. And so I did. I just bought a van, built it from the ground up, hot water, heater in there, sink, nice, everything. Wow. Fishing rod holder, of course. Yeah. I mean, stove. I, I just built the whole thing from the ground up. So when we went up there, it's like, yeah, we were really remote. But we were really prepared more than most uh, people, mm-hmm. you know. And um, my wife's a champ, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Eight days on the hall road, you know, with a five-week-old baby and two dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Was it still buggy at all? Oh, we got the <laughs> perfect moose hunting weather you could oh, possibly nice. ask for. Like, high 20s at night, like, barely cusping 40 during the day. Oh, it just, was, just yeah. the, absolutely perfect. Perfect. Like yeah. when you know when you're going to call in the morning, like there's going to be some moose around and they're going to be yeah. ready and they're going to come. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh yeah. Crispy. Mm. Yeah. I, I I really think that if you asked Alaskans as a whole that taking brand new babies outside is a little more common than than you'd think because you, you hear a lot of stories of people, you know, with pride, like we were outdoor people and we're yeah. not going to let this slow us down. Totally. And this baby's going to learn from the beginning and. You see a lot of people out doing stuff like seeing a infant, you know, getting their diaper changed on a on a uh, dip net boat, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Where you're like, damn, man, that's ballsy, oh, dude. Yeah. That's a lot. Like, I seen a guy <laughs> rafting. He had the pack and play in the middle of the raft. Oh exactly. yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just like, <laughs> man, like, that's, oh, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> man. It's like you know, if you really are dedicated to it, it's, you're gonna figure out a way. Yeah. Um, God, it'd be cool to see some photos of your van and that oh, whole man. setup, man. It was it was pretty sweet. Uh, uh, I got a lot of friends that were you know checking it out, start to finish because I took a lot of time off work uh, ahead of that. I was working on the slope still rotationally, right? And then when you get to a certain point, right, everybody is staying at home, right, just mm. waiting. And so during that whole waiting period, you know, I was staying at home every day, but out in the driveway just working on stuff when my wife didn't need me, and mm. it, it was cool to keep me like. S- centered and in a spot where yeah. you know because i'm i'm obviously a guy that likes to be on the move and yeah, yeah. go out and you don't sit out, still in well. and out, in and out yeah i don't sit <laughs> yeah. still it took me a long time to learn to sit in a tree stand <laughs> you, you know what that's <laughs> called when you're at home in the driveway tinkering and finding projects and that's called being domesticated <laughs> yeah because exactly. yeah, I, I know you like to go around sniff fire hydrants and check stuff out all the time but <laughs> sometimes you gotta bring it back I'm going to go full domestication. <laughs> yeah. Is the van still going? 
No, actually, um, sold the van to a close friend of mine uh, after we bought our house. Um, really liked the van, and we still have arguments in our cab over camper about if that was the best decision or not. Mm. My wife still misses the van. Sure. Yeah. Me, I like the standing up room of the cab over, and yeah, I like the nice. four wheel drive of the diesel. Yeah, yeah totally. Sure. So, like, I did a hunt on the Hall Road uh, last year, late season hunt, October, six degrees at Galworth Lake. Um, and we had a four wheeler trail hooked to the back of the um, back of the truck, and so we could wake up, have the cab over, didn't have to start it every day to heat everything up. You'd wake up, have hot coffee, and then we could also pull a trailer. So every time we shot a caribou, you didn't have mm. to clean the entire caribou, gut it, clean it out, put it on the trailer, yeah. keep driving, go find your next one. Mm. Okay, I think that's the ultimate man rig. Mm. Oh, yeah, I think Love so. It. I think so. Because I mean, motorhomes are nice. You, you get a little too fancy in there but then with the four-wheel drive and then and the cab over yeah. and all that it's mm -hmm. it's it's really nice you kind of need a, a and it forces you to not be in there the whole time mm -hmm. right. like the motorhome's really nice like you're just like yeah oh, i'm just gonna hang just in here it's sprinkling let's just go inside yeah but with that it's like there's not really too much room to hang out mm -hmm. so you want to be outside but it's really nice to be in there and warm and and sleep in there and all that well it's really nice too if you my favorite part is if you got a long drive, like headed up after work to go fish the Nanali, right? And you got a one and three year old, you don't want to be out there at ten o'clock at night putting the tent together. Oh, yeah, oh, I've been there. Like, you want to pull over and set up and done, mm -hmm. done. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's was my the worst part. Set up. Mm -hmm. That was tough. It's funny the van I was was thinking about. Like for some reason I envisioned the uh, the scene with Uncle Rico. In uh, Napoleon Dynamite, he's oh. <laughs> got <laughs> so like the door, the barn doors open. Yeah, you know he's throwing the football, and I'm like, <laughs> oh I'm, yeah. I just keep thinking, I was like, your van kind of looked like that. Kinda? So, <laughs> it, it was, uh, so we bought this van up at um, Glacier View from an air company. It had an air tour. It was like a so ninety like van or something. Ninety three Dodge, and oh, it wow. only had like ninety thousand miles on it because they only had used it to run from. Glacier View to the Anchorage Airport mm. back all the time. Mm. Uh, so, the, I mean, the maintenance records and everything on it was, like, incredible. 50 yeah, passenger, massive. Got a 360 in there. Um, super easy to work on. Man, it, it was just super easy to build out and make it, you know, what we needed it to, especially it's Very just cool. me, my wife, and, and the baby. So, the dogs, so that's one thing about having a camper van and having two dogs, and, you know, going out on adventures. You're going to get dog hair and mud mm. and oh, everywhere. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You ain't kidding. Yeah. I mean, no, it's bad with now this Now you weather. just let them sit in the back of the, the diesel? Well, yeah, I just open up. They just ride in the cab over, hang out, mm. you know, pop the, uh, put their dog beds down on the floor. Yeah. They just oh, ride perfect. right back in there. Yeah. Sweet. Did you have a camper before kids? Nope. Yeah. That's, no. That's um, how it happens to all of us, man. <laughs> backpack hunter, man. Yeah, even yeah. it took us a long time to even get the van. You know, it's like we, we still backpacked everywhere. Now that we had two kids, that was like our big conundrum. It was like... Well, now one of us can't carry gear and one can't carry the baby because we're both going to have babies. Like, yeah. what are we going to where mm. are we going to put the gear? And that's where the side by side. You know, it's oh, like yeah. the evolution uh, of having kids. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. man. That's yeah. right. You'll be at a motorhome soon. <laughs> <laughs> that thing where you like, goes, man. you just like you they have the motorhome so you can pull the other toys, man. That's the that's part that. Key. Well, that's why I also think that yeah. that's the ultimate move because you could yeah. still tow whatever you want absolutely and you can yep. four by but know? it's not with mm -hmm. kids dude we grew up with the camp over and it's like the kids get big enough and they just sleep in the front of the truck 
or a tent, uh, you know, like did you get, they grow out, grow it. What happened? Yep. So like, I mean, we had one of those growing up and yeah. I've never slept in it one time. Oh, you, you know, it's like Jack set up the tent, sit and sleep in the front of the cab. Same, yeah. And like non-tinted windows in Alaska in the summertime <laughs> and you're sleeping in the front of a, like a cab, then you're six foot. It's not, yeah. it's not legit. <laughs> so you're like, all right, I'll break up the tent again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But with uh, two young ones, it's probably perfect. Oh, yeah. You know? so, yeah, we just did that chicken hunt, um, the 40-mile hunt. Yeah. Um, was that two years ago now? For a boo? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I always worked out really well because yeah. I'd never been up there. I've kind of, like, I've always been a backpack hunter. Yeah. Um, you know, like flying to somewhere, go deep and... You know, drive my Chevrolet legs. Yeah. And so we went up. Drive my Chevrolet legs? I like that. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> the Shubarus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so that worked out good because we got the four place uh, Yamaha. We got the uh, got the cab over. So yeah, we yeah. Could, not knowing the area, I was like, okay, I want to go to an area where I can park by the road with the cab over, sleep in the cab over with kids. And then also I need to find a trail where I don't have to worry about burying it with my one and three year old in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked, it worked out really, really well. Actually, I I didn't have to worry about burying it too much as I, as popping a tire in that country. I never went up there. Yeah. Do you Uh, go Jack Wade or what's that? Jack Wade junction or where did you go in that? Uh, we went up Taylor, uh, all the way by the border. At one point I was almost across the border. We were driving in the fog and I was like looking at my audience. I'm like, Whoa, man, turn around. Yeah, Jackway Junction is that junction like where you're past Chicken, you're almost to the border, and then you can go north to what? It's Eagle. Oh, yeah. It's right there. That's yep. Jackway. That's a that's a cool country. Cool country being up on those hills. It's so much different than you know what we grew up with here around here. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like also the most like hunting in the lower forty eight that I've ever been in. <laughs> uh, yeah, that it was an eye opening experience because I've always heard about it, With but the I've pressure, never. Pressure, you mean? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Every hundred yards, someone sat up on that ridge, yeah. and it, it's oh. like the caribou like come down one ridge and then out, out of the forest at the bottom up, and it's just like, and you're like, where's my orange? I don't know. That was my experience. Well, yeah, that's what I was like. I know there's no caribou around. And my so why? I was like, because we haven't heard a gunshot. Yeah. You take a pair of binos where we were and look around on every high point as far as you could see, and there was somebody mm. standing on it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and can't really blame them. It's public land. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of caribou when they're there. Yeah. Yep. And that's sure. a very announced and pub- publicized Oh, hunt. way too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way too much. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's one of those things where you can kind of know when you start talking about hunting area or spot where you're like well like we're talking too much details here (laughs) but you talk about the 40 mile hunt it's like that's not a top secret fucking hunt no 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 and there's only a few access points too you know you gotta wear an orange vest like a lower 48 hunt (laughs) right for most of that i felt like i needed it i I haven't hunted the ski side i heard that on the ski side that it's it's crazy but i think man you just in today's technology with today's communication and social media you just can't do that with that that much limited access because mm. of, of course like this year on that 40 mile hunt i think they killed 680 caribou in one zone in three days yeah and oh. they were trying to kill 750 out of the entire four zones yeah yeah I, i'm like i'm giving them a little crap here but you know yeah. what i'm like well that just puts everyone more pressure because then everyone knows you have to be there at opening day right because it's, it's gonna get shut years. down mm-hmm. in three days and, and that's know. why everybody's under pressure to shoot that one caribou that they see running by because they might not get another opportunity. Yeah. 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 
I mean, it's going that way in a lot of a, a lot of different Alaskan areas because of the amount of access issues, the division between state and federal management. You know, um, the the amount of areas we can access to hunt. When that's shrinking, you're just going to see more and more competitive yeah, it's a, nature. It's a bottleneck. Oh yeah. 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 Well, like now that Unit 13 is pretty much done, mm-hmm. and that tier hunt's done, like everyone's yeah. now like moved on to the 40 mile. Oh yeah. yeah. There's probably way more people there now, which is already insane. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with um, Alyeska? Oh, yeah, Alyeska. Uh, well, Alyeska is a shit show. So <laughs> uh, I, I could go on for days. Like uh, the conditions? No, just or, the new the new ownership of the resort. Oh, they, so the actual the company that bought, management. Yeah, the company that bought the resort doesn't own any ski resorts. They own, like, high-end hotels with spas. And uh, so there's, uh, like, little focus on the mountain. And so it's kind of a mess. But, yeah, so it, it opened on Friday. Oh, it did? Lower mountain only. And it was, like, slush. Um, I didn't ski. But Do they still charge you $180 for one lift? I don't know what it – I mean, I have a season pass, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I saw some people complaining like that it's, like, it's still the same price. Yeah, it's probably ridiculous still. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I buy the season pass. It's, like, the only way to do it. Yeah, but it's kind of lame that all that snow melted that we got. Yeah, it was so it's nice crap. and it was cool. And now it's just, it's just like break up. Yeah, it's so nasty. I was so pumped to go cross country skiing, and we got one week of awesome skate skiing, and then it's all the trails are ruined They're in Anchorage. Done. You know, so they yeah they canceled Junior Nordic again tonight. So all the kids aren't skiing right now either. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we get dumped on. It's supposed to snow two feet at Alley tonight. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. So yeah, hopefully we well, get dump. get a bunch of snow down there. I, the the top looked good, but usually this time of year, what they do is they would just lift you up to the top and keep the bottom closed. Oh okay. You know, but the tram is shut down for maintenance. They like didn't what? plan their maintenance right. What? So yeah, and this is the second year in a row that's happened with the new ownership. So it's like it's December. Yeah, we should be being uplifted and uh yeah. Yeah, I should really be ready to rock <laughs> and roll dude, right now. Yeah. These guys are not <laughs> on their game, dude. Signing the kids yeah, up for their ski team, like I just was like, fuck you guys, I'm bailing. And so we switched ski clubs this year. Mm. That's why the oh. kids have to try out again. Oh, I see. So um yeah, it's just a total shit show with the signups. I'm friends with all the co- like some of the coaches work for us. Like they're awesome people, but there's like a huge disconnect between like the great people that are actually doing the stuff on the mountain and then the business that's trying to run. I heard that the ski patrol um head of ski patrol and the head of mountain operations both quit last week. That's this is the the rumor from the the people that actually are on the mountain. So that can't be good. Yeah, so there must be some stuff going on there. But I know all, everyone's pretty unhappy with the way they're doing things and um, really like the lack of care for the locals that have been skiing there for years and yeah. and care about the resort being a place that we can enjoy it in the future and grow and all mm. the stuff that we care about. So That's too bad. Yeah. Hence the big giant dick in the snow last year, right? Mm. <laughs> that's it all exactly, started there, right? That's that's what that was about, <laughs> it's like, man. Oh, that's why. That's why. That's what's going on. Yeah, yeah. A lot of unhappy <laughs> people, man. Yeah, that that sucks. Like you used to run into like the ski coaches and stuff, and the ski patrolmen, and they're just so happy. You know, like yeah, they, they were treated life. right. It's a good place to be. Good pay and uh, everything. Whatever and, they want. And I, I've, uh, yeah, that's not the mentality they have right now. So it's really unfortunate. Well, in this winter, right now, you got to remember, like, this is like a false, 
impression of winter. Oh, yeah. We got dumped on, and now it's like, oh, shit, now it feels like break. Like, no, it's 48 chill, degrees. dog. Thanksgiving was last week. It's We yeah. have four full months and last of wintertime year, winter. At the end of winter, it seemed like winter was never going to end. Yo, oh, man, yeah. that we was drug brutal. the hell on, dude. We used a snow machine to get in our bear bait stations. When I guided in Kodiak, we were three miles from where we normally camp, and I've been guiding in that spot for seven years, so that's never happened. It was it was wild. Yeah, what, we, what, what area of Kodiak? Uh, we guide the road system. Okay. State land. Sweet. Nice. Yeah, dude, we, we like, snowshoed for two, three weeks, bait in into that area, and was like – is this ever going to melt? <laughs> like the last time I didn't bring my snowshoes, I'm like, all right, man, like the trail's got to be post maybe hole. post hole a few spots, and it was all the way. <laughs> I was like a bear coming out of hibernation. I'm like, nope, it's time to hunt. It's time to get bears. All my buddies are like, you're retarded. I'm like, <laughs> and, it, and it got pictures of my tree stands already up, my barrels in. I'm like, come on, opening day. Yeah. Didn't see a bear for six weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, why am I checking my camera right now? Yeah, yeah. dude, that's no. insane. It's a lot of patience right there. And you think it would impact the numbers, but there's more bears than ever this summer, it seemed like. Oh, man, we hit yeah. the end of season. So our spring season, it was the worst guiding season on Kodiak I've ever had. We've seen two mm. bears in 20 days. Oh, And wow. got, shot one of them. Uh-huh. Um, it was just super late. There, I mean, bears need food, right? Yeah. No food, yeah. no bears. That's where it goes. Mm. And... um. Then I went and guided my other area on the mainland down in Kenai. Mm-hmm. And first hunt, pretty slow. We saw some bears. Uh, second hunt, hit the rut absolutely perfect. It was like that one night. like, so like mid-May? Yeah, it was the uh, third week in May last year is okay. when it happened. And it was like, oh, we're seeing a bear here, seeing a bear there. And then I'm in a stand one night with a client 14 bears later. It was mm. like... We're killing something tonight. <laughs> yeah. What about that one? Nope. What about that one? I mean, bears aren't even, the boars aren't even stopping by the bait barrel at that point. You know, they're just bypassing it. Hey, where's that sow that was here? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, yeah. and sure Chasing enough, tail. 14 bears all through the night, shot a nine foot one. And the first thing in the morning, oh, they kicked wow. sow off. It was just like. Awesome. Damn. Gotta love days in the, in the woods like that. Yeah, what a nice bear. Archery? Uh, yeah, archery bear. Sweet. Yep. Yeah, 30, 30 yards. Yeah. Pretty good. That's, fun. That's yeah. awesome, man. It was a weird year, though. Yeah, yeah, the winter just, like, go away. Yeah, I know a lot of guides that were just, like, scratching their head. What I found really surprising is not – so last year in the spring, I saw probably eight winter kill moose mm. in different spots. And then during spring baiting, I would run into bull moose and moose all the time coming out of my stands. Um, last winter I, you know, last spring I didn't see any winter kill moose, but I saw no moose coming out, going in and out of my bait stand mm. all season. I only had one on camera and then my wife had the, um, Kinnick cow moose egg mm-hmm. and it was like, man, you couldn't shake a tree and find a moose. Really? Like, it was really, really hard, mm. hard to find moose this year. In the, the November was, one? Yeah. Uh, she had the 410 tag. Yeah, that one's like what, like August? Set, you said yeah, that's, right. yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, too, yeah, uh, yeah. normal unit fourteen hunting yeah. season window, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> it was hard to find them. Really? Yeah. Well, there, we did pass on a couple because I had just blown out my knee, so I was like, man, middle of the flats, standing out there. I'm like, you're safe. Like, I'm not backing a moose out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no shit. There, yeah. There's at least two that we could have shot that were. It was just yeah. You couldn't have got the side by side to them. No, non motorized. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. gotcha. It was like, chest waiters, back. Nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. Yeah, it's yeah. like one leg. It blew your knee, like, blew yeah, out. what happened to the knee? Yeah. Oh, oh, um, totally forgot it. Uh, August, I went on a goat hunt, solo goat hunt. Um, super early season for goats. Yeah. Don't, don't recommend going that early for goats because they're way up high and got short hides. Um, yeah. But I drew a tag, and it felt and like. The bugs are horrendous. Oh, dude, black flies down there. Know, yeah, yeah. Black flies. Yeah. And um, just burrow, dude, just biting. The one day I was chose yeah. to climb through your clothes too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah even the goats, like watching the goats. The goats were getting driven crazy by the oh, flies. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I shot a goat opening day, August tenth. Um, pilot was coming to pick me up the next day. Um, woke up on the eleventh, five a.m. Packed up camp, packed in my goat. Pilot's going to land at the lake at one o'clock. Made it four hundred yards down. Pack got caught in the alders. Tripped. And blew my ACL. Oh, ACL. man. Yeah. Yeah. Big heavy load on? Oh, bro, the heaviest. <laughs> oh, like, that probably didn't help, huh? Uh, yeah, not at all. <laughs> I, I was laying, like when it happened, I thought what it felt like was somebody took a baseball bat and just hit the side of my knee. Mm. Like instant impact. Um, but I, what I thought was like a rock fell off and smoked the side of my knee or something. I thought it was broke. Um, and man, I was like laying there with my pack on top of me, face like yeah. in the alders and oh like yeah trying to like you know whoa you know yeah perfect trip all of a sudden i'm like laying on my face in the alders going dude is my leg broken or not oh, it, was, it was all bad uh yeah how'd you and get it long. down oh <laughs> so just rolled it man about <laughs> 600 <laughs> yards yeah, yeah i uh so on the way down i was like oh i remember looking at the mountain i'm looking at pictures i took i said oh i think i could take this other route and uh, make it, and this, I mean, I've hunted goats. This That was my 13th goat, and I was in an area where it, it's probably the steepest mountain goat territory I've been in, uh-huh. uh, consistent territory. Yeah. I mean, f- for every one foot forward, I was going three foot up. Yeah, totally. So I had rock climbing gear and everything mm-hmm. with me. Oh, shit. Yeah, um, pretty advanced area for goat hunting, and on the way down, so that happened. So I just started scooting on my butt for a little bit because I thought my leg was broke when it happened. Like, I, I've i never broken a bone in my life, but you know when you're severely hurt, you yeah, know. You know like, yeah, the pain is something just next bad. level. Mm-hmm. So I just started, it was steep enough for a while, and there's vegetation. I'm just scooting on my butt from one alder to the next. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then pretty soon I, like, come through the alders. I'm, like, plowing through the alders on my butt. It opens up, and there's just a steep face with a trickle, and there's no vegetation. Oh, I'm just, like, man. cliffed out, and I'm like, well, oh. what are you going to do now? Yeah. yeah. Well, I couldn't go back up. I had the whole pack on and everything. Sure. And so I just unclipped my pack and had to let it go. And uh, I watched it. I, I mean, had my bow on there, the goat, everything. Oh. But it was like, well, you can't move. You got one leg. You yeah. This isn't, try to this move isn't like, yeah, yeah. really caring too much about your items at this point, yeah. right? So, yeah, I, like, let it go, and there was a ledge. I knew it wasn't going to fall all the way down the mountain, but I, I let it go and went end over end, about 600 yards, watched it plowing through stuff on the way down. And um, so I was able to scoot my my butt down that way, and I just kept scooting on my butt till eventually I caught back up in my pack. And at that point, there's about a 100-yard plateau that was pretty flat, mostly covered in giant boulders, and it was like, okay, at this point, I need to figure out I can't crawl through this. Yeah. Like, I need to figure out, can I stand and put weight on my leg? Yeah. yeah. And uh, there was a lot of, like, serious, like, one-on-one conversations where you have to, like, be completely honest with yourself, which is way harder than yeah. most people would think because you're like, my pride is like, 
man, I can hike a lot of miles. I can climb a lot of places. Like, I got this. Yeah. Like, can you do that? There's no clarity in your thoughts. Yeah. Right? Like, You're like, ah. Like, do you think you can do it? Or, yeah. you, you know, because you always read stories about when you get in situations, people make silly decisions and then they make that bad situation worse. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, I don't want to do that. So if I'm going to get rescued, this is the place where they could rescue me. All right. Or yeah. if I can keep going, push it. I need to find out, like, can I put weight on my leg? So I sit up on my w- weight on my leg, and the whole time, you know, I was picturing is like standing up. You see a UFC fighter. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Like, when I stood, when it happened, that's what I thought is that uh, bone on the outside of your calf, I thought that broke in half. And, uh, uh, you know, so I stood up and I'm like, oh, oh, oh I'm okay. Like this is, and I took about two steps and whoosh, my, my knee gave out and fell flat oh. on my face again. Oh. And it felt like two pieces of bone, like coming apart uh-huh. and going back together. And what it was, was like the bones on top of my knee, uh, hitting the bones, uh, in the middle of my knee because there was no ligaments holding right, it together. Right. And, uh, but that, what that told me was like, okay, well, you're not perfect, but you can put some weight on your leg. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then. Remember, I had rock climbing gear, so I was sure. like, okay, if it gets too too nasty, just man up, rope up, and you're not going to fall off the mountain at a minimum, right? Yeah. Well, at that point, I didn't, my again, it's all over the place, so I didn't really consider and to inventory my gear, and oh, but no. in my head, I'm like, well, I got my rock climbing harness, my rope, everything, worst place, I can anchor up, I can rappel down, and it actually kept going like six inches at a time, got to a point where I'm like, okay, I can repel from here down to that, re-anchor up, repel down in one more, and I'm on the bottom. That's when I rolled over my pack and realized my rope was gone. Oh, no. It like, like it came um, separated in the roll? Yeah, like uh, later I realized, like, I picked up um, my pack and everything, but I lost my tripod, um, my arrows, my quiver, my rope. I don't know, somebody's going to go on that section of the mountain and be like, what the hell happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a yard sale going on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, and it didn't look like I it just was like, ah, screw it. You know, I yeah. looked around for a bit, but in my head, like, man, I can't believe I didn't notice my 300-meter rope's gone. Yeah. I mean, I had a good yeah, chunk a of rope. a pile of rope yeah, on there. Exactly. That's what I was like. Yeah. Two repels, I'm done. <laughs> and, yeah, at that point, it still took me, because he was going to come get me at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was texting him on my inReach, like, hey, I twisted my knee. My wife's on her way from Wasilla to Homer to come pick me up. And I'm, like, debating on telling her in case I did fall even more. Mm. But I'm, like, yeah, why stress her out with two kids in traffic? She can't do anything, right? So yeah, like, swurry. Yeah, mm-hmm. so ended up crawling my way down the rest of the way. I mean, there was definitely some dicey points where it was just like, oh, God. You know, you got one leg and two hands. You yeah. Know? You had to really, yeah. really pay attention. Yeah. I got got in, back to the lake 10 minutes before the plane showed up. He put me in the front and hauled me out of there. Nice. Yeah. Man. Whew. So what, you're going to get it operated on? Yeah. Um, I actually, I got to give him a shout out. Brad Sparks uh, reached out to me. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Saw my post on Facebook. as a little bit of a PSA. We, hunt season started off with a pretty rocky uh, start here in Alaska this year. You know, there's a couple fatalities. Another guy got hurt. Another guy blew his knee out. Then I blew my knee out. So it's just like kind of give a PSA to out some of the hunters and you just slow down, you know, yeah. things like in my instant go from a perfect trip to all of a sudden you're laying on your face thinking your leg's broken. Yeah. 
you know, and Brad saw that, reached out to me. It was like, hey, uh, if you want a second opinion or what have you, you know, happy to help you out. And I was like, well, I can't even get a first opinion yet because everybody's two or three weeks out. Booked mm-hmm. um, So got me an MRI the next day, checked out my leg, let me know immediately what was wrong with it. And, uh, yeah, so he's going to do the surgery here in a couple weeks. Nice. Uh, nice. It. Repair my ACL and hopefully be back on the mountain by August hunting sheep with my bow again. So That's, that's quite a goal. I've had it twice. ACL. It's not fun. How long was your recovery? Um, I would say a year. I'd say a year. Um, yeah, eight to twelve months for sure. Till you feel good. Like yeah. you can still do some stuff within the five to six month range, but then that year is where you need to gain your full strength and confidence. Yeah, where back, it's not right? like in the back of your mind anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because if you're thinking about it the whole time, then you're thinking about it the whole time, you know? Yeah, I did a couple of hunts this fall after that happened against the advice of my doctor. Oh, but sure. anyway, guys got to pay the bills, too. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, there's a lot of guys that d- never even replaced it. Like, just leave it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, yeah. even my first surgeon or my second surgeon, he never even, and he's a big-time hunter, John Frost. I don't know if you know. He doesn't have an ACL, and he's like a major sheep hunter, dude. Mm-hmm. And he just builds up all his muscles around the knee and never actually got another ACL. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like I did a goat hunt in September, and that hunt, it was just, it feels really, you don't trust it at all, especially yeah, going yeah. downhill. I went and stepped out of the tent at like midnight one night to take a piss and step in the only hole on the side of the mountain. <laughs> oh, oh, damn it, dude. Oh. <laughs> and of course, didn't have my brace on, right, because it's, Oh, dark 30, you know, and I, I felt like my knee was going to go backwards, man. I was just yeah. like laying on the ground for like 10 minutes. I was like, God damn it. The only Qu- kind of question, brutal. like, dude, what am I doing? Like pushing oh, yeah. it too hard. Well, yeah, the that was the only hunt in the rest of the season. I already had a client, you know, me and this client too had kind of built a relationship because he's a hardcore bow hunter. I've had before. I, I was on a mission to shoot a, a go with my bow, and he knew that my hunt was right before him. So me and him had been talking about prep like every week, more than just mm. a guide and a client normally. Oh sure, because he morning, noon, and night text messages right. back and forth and shit. Yeah. We're like both. He's shooting. I'm shooting. What's your group's doing? What's my group's doing? Like, what do you you know? Yeah. It, it's funny. We we laughed at each other because right before his uh, trip, he broke a pinky and came mm-hmm. up on this go. I I had one knee. He had a pin going through the tip of his pinky, so he had, <laughs> had this cast on his pinky, couldn't bend it. Oh, shit. I, I'm told if you're using a trekking pole without a pinky, that it's kind yeah. of a pain in the butt. <laughs> that puts a lot of pressure right yeah. But I'm yeah. like, man, what a pair. One guy, guide with one knee, the other guy's got yeah. the handle strapped out. Determined. Determined. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Barney's Sports Chalet, supplying hunters and outdoor enthusiasts with the highest quality gear and equipment since they opened their doors in 1963. Barney's carries exclusive brands such as Alpaca Rafts, Sitka Sims, XO Mountain Gear, Hilleberg, and much more. Barney's prides themselves with keeping a huge stock on hand of various top-of-the-line tents, footwear, sleeping bags, optics, cross-country skis, just to name a few. Barney's is also the exclusive retailer of Montana Knives, Seek Outside, Kafaru, Stone Glacier, and their in-house brand, Frontier Gear of Alaska. Barney's has a superior selection of top-rated boots, sleeping bags, dry bags, mountaineering gear, electronics, and accessories. Need freeze-dried food or mountain snacks? They got that too. 
Barney's now has an amazing new paperback catalog available for in-store pickup or online order. Visit them today at barneysports.com or even better, stop by the store in Anchorage at 906 West Northern Lights. If you want the best, there's only one name in the game, Barney's Sports Chalet. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage for 47 years, has expanded three stores. The main store, the largest Skidoo sled dealer in North America, also has Can-Am, Sea-Doo, Climb, Suzuki Outboards, Honda Outboards, Generators and Snowboards, Kingfisher Boats, and so much more. Alaska Motorsports and Equipment just next door, which was previously Anchorage Suzuki Arctic Cat. For all your Arctic Cat, Suzuki ATV, Asvarna, Generac, Mahindra Tractor, and now Argo Pro and Sasquatch needs. And to round it out, also next door, the brand new Alaska Mining Superstore. For the largest selection of recreational and light commercial mining equipment anywhere, period. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaska public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to engagement with boots on the ground projects from Kotzebue to Ketchikan. BHA performs public land cleanups, hunting and fishing clinics, and community education to help take your game to the next level. BHA's community-minded goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping wild lands wild and fostering the next generation of sportsmen and women for years to come. Make sure to follow BHA Alaska for upcoming events, local brewery pint nights, and more. Stand up for Alaska public lands and waters by supporting the Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Join us today at backcountryhunters.org. The Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. When you pull up to the Treehouse, you'll notice the beautifully hand-drawn art by Alaska's own Ted Kim. Once you get inside, you're gonna see many of the same people that have been there since they opened. The bud tenders know you and what you like and what new product you should be checking out. The store is super clean and the music's always on point. The Treehouse and local owner Josh Boots is a staple in the cannabis culture through his music, community givebacks, and a lifetime desire to bring the people of Alaska the best products available. The Treehouse always has at least 25 strains available, and they're all shown prominently deli style in clear, openable jars so you can see and smell your options. Other products include edibles, concentrates, vape carts, pre-rolls, flour, dab rigs, and anything else you need, they got it. They also have some pretty sick merchandise for sale. Check out thetreehouseak.com, or better yet, stop by the Treehouse today and get started on their loyalty program. Remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. Yeah, and the, the cinnamon's pretty... You can really get the, the cinnamon flavor in this batch, too. It's definitely a Christmas drink. Yeah, it's very Christmassy. Yeah, that's very Christmassy. Very holiday season uh, feel to it. Um, so I didn't realize that the um, Alaska Outdoor Council was around since 1955. Yeah, been around a long time. It was very nerve-wracking taking this position with the organization, looking at the history and having the history, full access to that history. Yeah. You know, I looked at it. I was reading an article the other day by Wayne Heimer that uh, is called The Experiment of Full Curl Regulations in Alaska. Mm. I mean, I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah, dude. You know, there is an advertisement in an AOC uh, magazine. Uh, used to be called Out of Doors Alaska. Pinnell and Talvison in there. You know, reading like some of those articles and people that have been involved in this organization. It was like, man, are 
am I the guy to be filling these shoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? But it's been incredibly rewarding. Incredibly. Yeah. Um, you know, when when I got first offered this position, my first my response was, I don't think I'm qualified for this. And then the board said, and we think you're perfect for this. So, yeah. And uh, it's worked out really well, really well. You know, AOC, you know, 1955, you know, if you think about it, three different nonprofit sportsmen's group, you know, Matt Valley Sportsmen's, TSI, Tanana Valley, three different parts of the state came together and said, you know, we need a united voice on outdoor issues in Alaska. Yeah. You know, and, and came together and made this massive force. You know, and, and today, you know, we got 30 clubs all together between all the different clubs, you know, probably 6,000 plus members, you know, oh, wow. it's, it's oh, huge, there you, go. you know, yeah. and the amount of issues, like when I got involved with AOC, originally I thought it was a little like we have an issue, we work on it, push on it, advocate for it, raise money for it, cross the finish line, throw our hands up, woohoo, we got to win, but I really describe it now as it's kind of like being on a hamster wheel. Because there's so many issues constantly affecting our rights to hunt, fish, trap, and access public land that if you don't keep up that pace, you know, your opposition is going to gain ground on you very yeah. quickly. And in, in today's world with social media, yeah. and marketing, and the media in general, and politics, which is an unfortunate side of game management yeah. in Alaska, um, you just got to stay on top of it, man. And it's it can be tiring. Really tiring at times. Stay in front, right? Yeah. Hell it yeah. seems like it'd be really hard to like prioritize because it's like you can only put like so much effort in this front and that front. And it's like what what's not getting, you know, do we get the quick hanging fruit here or do we go the long haul and miss out on these other opportunities? Oh, yeah. That is that is the ultimate challenge. Um, you know, we've, we've been involved in um, cases such as John Sturgeon's case. John Sturgeon was on our board when he when that case. We were one of the biggest backers on that case and that was prior to my time with AOC but right now like we're in some cases we're filed amicus brief against the federal subsistence board for closing unit 13 mm -hmm. and then I'm doing mod road winter access right now okay you know what I mean so like the range of issues and programs mm -hmm. is just huge and ever-changing constantly I'm, I'm talking to Alaskans constantly that it might be an access issue in, in Talkeetna, and, or it might be an issue on the North Slope, or we got the board of game coming up, so we got to prioritize that. So me and uh, the former executive director, who's now our policy director, Rod Arno, like when me and him have a conversation, it can range from everything from commercial fishing to sport fishing to caribou to oh, so many times, so wide of a yeah, right? totally. But it, I mean, it, it's important, and that just emphasizes the importance of everybody being involved. Because, like, with, even with AOC, right, we have a board that's made up of all these member clubs. Like, they, their leadership, they select, and then those guys come to our board. So our board's made up of nonprofit leadership from all around Alaska. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a wide diversity of input. But with those massive amount of issues, you know, you still only have so many people and so much time of the day. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and that's really what drove me to get involved, you know, is Dunleavy at one of our banquets that said, hey, if you're not an advocate, you're a victim. And yeah. You know, and he was absolutely right. You know, if I if I wasn't showing up to a board of game or didn't get involved with AOC, I'm relying on somebody else to show up to a board of game and advocate for my opportunity. Yeah. Right. And my kids' opportunity too. Mm -hmm. you know? And then absolutely. you're on the sideline just bitching about it at the end of the day and not really yeah. doing anything. Or commenting on Facebook or no. Yeah. Well, I just I, kinda, I, I encompass that. <laughs> I just encompass that in bitching about it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and we have such a good process in Alaska yeah. that is so frustrating. 
Yeah, you can go to the board of game, and anybody can put in a proposal. Right. Anybody can show up and advocate for anything. Right. Um, you know, and, and I've seen some folks, I mean, kids from villages advocating for their ability to hunt um, sea ducks, you know, because that's part of their diet. You get uh, guides that that's part of their business, you know, but that is really the place that it matters, you know, and we're so yeah. lucky to have a management system like that where you can show up and voice your opposition or support to make something like that happen, you know, and that that's why I joined AOC and become part of it because as you guys obviously are aware that I like to hunt fish trap access oh, yeah. public land, not so much trap, but yeah, you know, I support somebody's right to trap. Yeah. Sure. And mm-hmm. what's kind of crazy is like, even though we go, even when we go through like the right due process and get something pushed through the right way, like Ira's Kincaid hunt, oh, yeah. they, then we get, you know, someone suing mm-hmm. and it's like, what, we went through the right process. You you had an opportunity to kind of intervene then. Mm-hmm. And this was what we, through our kind of process, we chose. So, yeah. like, let's continue this. But yeah, it's crazy that the bureaucracy can continue. Oh, yeah. And Ira's, I mean, talk about a well-researched plan for a perfect hunt. Yeah. You know, to provide opportunity for somebody who's disabled and can't go do it. I mean, they own those resources, too. That's guaranteed by the Alaska State Constitution, and they have every right to harvest that opportunity just like everybody else can. And the the argument for why that hunt shouldn't take place was absolutely appalling. Yep, yep. So we ski there. My kids do the um, ski, the Junior Nordic, which is awesome. That club is amazing. And we walk through there all the time, like Mm -hmm. just little kids walking through when they're two, three, four years old. And... Every time we go in there, there's tons of moose. So just the testimony. There's only six. Yeah, it was like it is so <laughs> off, right? It, it's 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 not authentic. It's not true. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so I feel that. It, it, oh my! What I was going to get at is, I have witnessed, and about every time I pick the kids up, it's like which kid almost got stomped by a moose today mm-hmm. dur- during the junior Nordic ski season, and so it's like the moose the uh, the amount of moose in that park right now is at a dangerous level for us recreational users and i'm not worried about me but i am worried about five six seven eight year old kids getting stomped by a moose because you're you're in skis you come around the corner you know oh yeah and a lot of them like i i shoot at the archery range there yeah oh yeah we shot state there and at state the group that was with me we're whacking a cow moose on the nose with an archery stabilizer a 30 inch archery stabilizer because it charged us about two dozen times i had my three-year-old daughter on my back in a backpack carrier and had four other people with us during a state archery tournament there was probably 50 people out on those trails yep you know and it's just like it what difference is like four moose in the fall after tourist season october yep you know what I mean? It's not going to take away the trophy value of killing any bulls. Right. It's going to be in a two-week part of the year, you know, in a remote parts of the park. I mean, yeah. if you did it just during the archery area, right, just the archery area, yeah. you could close that area and you could harvest four moose super easy. Absolutely. And the amount of support, like, I would go pack that guy's entire moose out uh, myself. We all would, but. yeah. I would be in on that. Yeah. Where yeah. are they at with that? Well, the, the lot, well, you would probably. I kind of wanted to see, like, hear, like, elaborate on the the testimony uh, maybe for those of us that haven't heard the whole story a quick preview on iris side and then in the support and then the quick preview on why not sure so i i 
I don't want to misspeak because I would definitely be the best person to uh, lay this out. But yeah. he researched a lot of aspects about this, right? He's talked to a lot of a lot of different people. First, so basically, in terms of the municipality, he had to get it agreed on by the state, right? If the state agreed it, then it just came down to, um, I believe, like the park director for yep. the city, yep. right? And so he went to the board of game. We were in Soldat and I met him there. Uh, he proposed it. Overwhelming support there. Not a single person was opposition of that because, I mean, and everybody applauded him for an extremely well thought out plan. Oh, yeah. It, oh, and yeah. it is. And then, um, from my understanding, when it got before the assembly, um, an attorney from Anchorage yep. who recreates in the area yep. um, wanted it stopped based on constitutionality, from my understanding. Was that, okay, so equal access is, is kind of a basis of Alaska State's constitution. Everybody should have equal access to resources. Her argument was that it's unconstitutional because not everybody can be disabled. They wouldn't have equal access. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Not everyone yeah. can be disabled. Well, I could give her equal access. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah. And, and, on. It, and it's just like one of these things that, like, you know, the plaintiff or whatever is the attorney, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, where, you know, no one's going to go spend three hundred fifty bucks an hour to have this done. But, she, you know, because of schooling and whatever, mm -hmm. this person can do it on their own. But yeah, I, and it's not like this person like really put themselves in the shoes of many disabled Alaskans that would love to eat wild game and have the same abilities that we have to provide, mm -hmm. which I mean, that is a constitutional right too. Right. So in this, and then you have a disabled person that doesn't even want to do the hunt themselves. They want to open it up for other disabled people um, it, to put this whole thing together and do basically get there's all kinds of support on the ground from Kincaid at the beginning. And then he brought it to the next level. He does everything kind of right. You know, he touches all the right people oh, yeah, on the way. He knows how to do it. Uh, you know, he had made sure that the park department with locally and through the Muni was going to be okay with it. And, and that allow the hunt and actually spend the time and resources to shut down the par parts of the park or however they were going to do it. Um, and, and so he, he did all the right things. He did the right process. He did something that's great for Alaskans. And then it's just, you got one per sour person who's just thinking inward and not community oriented, like thinking what's better for the group here in the community, you know, um, before, but you know, whatever, but we're kind of, hopefully that kind of goes away. We'll see. Yeah, the last time I talked to Ira, it sounds like uh, they're pursuing some state legislation to help really, uh get that pushed through. I don't know all the details on that, but uh, I do know, I mean, one of the most well-thought-out proposals I've ever seen at yeah. a board of game. That's awesome. We'll see where it goes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And I remember he gave a sneak peek on that when we uh, had him in <clears throat> very early on. Yeah, like two years ago. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna propose this, and I was like, wow, yeah. that's ballsy. Yeah, I've seen a but lot. Like, hell yeah, fucking rooting you on, man. I've seen some opposition from the hunting community because apparently in his proposal, so it was for crossbow, muzzle loader, shotgun. Yeah, and yeah. maybe just, uh, maybe just shotgun muzzle loader, but they uh, board a game changed it to add archery. You know, and he didn't even originally ask that, but I've heard a lot of bow hunters are like, don't want that because apparently there's been a Kincaid Park hunt in the past and you know there were some moose running around with an arrow yeah i think that was a hillside one but yeah, yeah. there was yeah the, and that happened in um man like the mid 
I was here, so it, I mean, I want to say it's like eighty-seven or eighty-eight, and yeah. they used to allow archery, and that's why they went away. Well, from and that. the shotgun muzzleloader would be perfect for that. Yeah, right. You yeah, know? and I mean, it's just it seems like there's a lot of instant reactions um, when you got issues like that from people who don't even take the time or don't even care enough to take the time. Oh yeah, to find out about it. We, right. Just we, knee jerk. Yeah, a, a little bit of a side trail here, but like a few years ago, we helped with the governor to pass opening up ATVs on roadways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you read the comment sections on that, it's like, you're going to have a 13-year-old drive downtown Anchorage on a four-wheeler? And it's just like, <laughs> what? what? That's not what no. this says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there was it? a massive reaction to that where some cities, like, they instantly instantly banned it, you know, because he, uh-huh. he gave that authority. Hey, he's... You know, but in some parts of Alaska, a four wheeler on a roadway is natural. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, sure. Like when I went to Nunavak, there's more four wheelers than there are cars. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's just like the way there is. But you know, we just in today's world, so many people want to read the title of an article before they even want to get involved yeah. in the issue. Yeah, you can sway a lot of people's opinion by a correctly worded title. Doesn't matter what's in the article, what's actually involved in the issue at all. Just that yeah. first impression. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> All those trolls out there. And luckily with God, that, those issues on Facebook, it's just a new one tomorrow and everyone forgets about yesterday. That's true. Change, That's true. Changes dramatically. I mean, it, it's helped out in a lot of ways. It's helped out with um, me help, working on this organization, getting getting the voice out and getting people involved in issues. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, it's grown uh, opposition to a lot, of, a lot of issues quite a bit. It just yeah. depends on your spin on a lot of things. Yeah. What are some of the current like priority issues you're working on? Uh, well, the federal subsistence board is all always a priority. Um, 60% of the land, uh, land mass in Alaska, right? It's federal land. Um, and there is a big headbutting going on between the state and uh, federal management and how that, uh, who gets to manage it, right? According to the state and according to ANOCA, the wildlife belongs to the state of Alaska to own and manage. Well, the park service, the feds, BLM, you know, the White House, they all feel different, right? Yeah. And so that's always going to be the number one priority because you're looking at millions of acres that are potentially closing yeah. all the time. You know, just this year, they almost closed ABC Islands to non-local hunters for deer hunting, and we have a six-deer limit down there. Mm. Six deer. And if you read through the comment section uh, on the testimony, why? Why would you want to close this area when you have so many deer? Well, yeah. it's because they didn't want non-local hunters go hunt where in the bays that they did. That that was the only reason. And with that federal process, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that emphasizes the importance of showing up. Unit 13, when they closed a million and a half acres of public land up there, it was because one guy said there there was safety conflicts with Wasilla and Anchorage folks going up there to hunt in that area. And that's all it took. And one meeting. Oh, just people beefing? Yeah, 1.5 million acres of public land closed based on one person, one federal subsistence user's input. When was this? Uh, it was like two, three years ago, Unit uh, 13A and 13B, uh-huh. two-year closure. You know, like Unit 24 right now, the Hall Road. Yeah, 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 right, 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 yeah. One person's input because <coughs> and the federal subsistence board process, the whole board is made up of federal subsistence users, Right. And so if you're a non-federal subsistence user that recreates in that area, they don't have to listen to your input, even though that public land supposedly belongs to all of us. Mm. False so, and deaf ears. And there has to be no 
there's no process that says you have to prove that there was a safety conflict or prove that there's a conservation issue. Right, right. It's just however they choose to vote to close that. Wow. Which is, I mean, if you look at the amount of public land being closed, it's astronomical. In some cases, like, yeah, there's a conservation issue. Nobody's saying that, you know, locals shouldn't have a priority of people that are surviving off that. Mm -hmm. But when there's not, like the ABC Islands with 60-year limit, it's like, this is really the process we're going to use to close millions of acres of public mm-hmm. land. Well, and that's not a natural, that's implanted deer, right? In Southeast, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I, like, I, I think a lot of the blacktail down there were, are native. I'm okay, sure. that's true. I, I, th- I'm that, not completely sure. On I mean, that's where I would, I guess that would be, a, that's what the first thing that came to mind. I'm like, wait a minute, is that a natural resource or an, a planted one because then that's a really fucked up deal you're gonna shut that down when it's a planted it's not even natural you know what i mean like that species isn't really technically even supposed to be there yeah mm-hmm. but, but maybe there's a mix too yeah no, i think sure. um yeah we can look it up the sometime na- the black tail is native to that yeah. area though they, they need to make um they need to put elk on montague though so they need to put elk and caribou hills down the Kenai. You yeah, know? that would be yeah. rad. Oh, but cool. you, you want to talk about another issue that gets massive amount of opposition. Me and the governor, the last couple of years, we've been talking about this. Not the elk, but we've been talking about implementing, um, implementing animals. Blacktail in South Central. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about, you think, you know, you shot somebody's firstborn or something. You know, it was like, whoa, you can't do that. You know, and because uh, the governor is very pro hunting, very uh-huh. pro sportsman. And for, you know, his outlook on it is just like when they planted those goats and planted the deer on Kodiak Mm -hmm. is that you know if you got an elk in your backyard that you can hunt well you don't have to go spend that money at the grocery store to go go buy it you don't have to go fly somewhere else yeah Yeah, it's natural right Mm -hmm. I mean a large part is why they're looking at we've been going to meetings for wood bison you guys kind of yeah we love wood bison yeah 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 dude so they're up to uh like looking at putting them in Minto Flats and the Yukon right mm-hmm. now. There's a whole process we've been getting involved in on where they're actually planning the next stage uh-huh. of wood bison, which they are actively right now. Nice. Um, so in the next year or two, we're going to see more of that. That'll but, be the second herd? Right. Okay. Yeah, and a big part of that is where it goes is because if it's on federal land, well, then we might not lose management of that. And oh. if it crosses private corporations' land, well, maybe they want a priority and want to manage access. Well, then you just cut off access to the rest of Alaskans if you put it on private land, too. Right. So mm. it, it's really a rigorous process. And because, like, with the first wood bison, they're not endangered because if they call them endangered and they put them outside their village, well, then that village can't do a whole lot of stuff either because yeah. endangered habitat. Right, right. right. So it's, it's a big process to decide on where they go and where's the best part of where they're going but one thing like our governor is like very pro like how can we get how can we put more species in the mm-hmm. 1920s we were all about well, oh let's man put elk and reindeer yeah. sure yeah, yeah. i'm on that same page I'm yeah. uh, dude, let's Akina. do let's it go. man yeah a Kenai sounds great montague would be epic but well, so would get so would Kenai. i think we need to supplement our doll sheep with some stones too yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, wow, that's up. a great idea yeah, yeah. Dang, i never the, even heard of that the idea. interbreeding thing's kind of crazy with them though oh, it man. might like result in like the, all being this hybrid that you see in the you know canada it, will, it would probably be yeah start turning like they would all be looking like stones yeah i, yeah. I think that's still kind of you yeah. know when they see you know get a sheep it's got so many black hairs i'm like come on, girl, uh, yeah, come on. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's adult sheep come yeah on. totally, totally. <laughs> yeah well 
Is the, is there one of the big factors, um, like biology and and diseases and things? Maybe uh, something that's more of a red flag to doing something like that than back then. It seems like it's to me, and it seems like you would look at like all like the bacteria and disease stuff. But you would all, it's like how does that impact like your current? the habitat the current lives you know animals that live in the animals that live in the area and is it gonna like mess with that ecosystem and if Mm -hmm. if it doesn't i mean Mm -hmm. throw them on but these places that are totally man-made like montague like those bears weren't there no those are natural are they yeah brown bears are natural to kodiak and montague I thought I'm on a good they weren't. Okay, well, I'm yeah. wrong. But there's a ton that we're putting on there. And the blacktails weren't natural. No, so not at all. It's not like it's supernatural right now. Yeah, like the goats on Kodiak, I mean, you can't talk about a more perfect marriage oh, right there. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. breed like crazy. And yep. the feds, you know, the feds, um, a lot of the federal management is very head-scratching because they're like, they're not natural, and they want the federal land to be just like how it was when we found it, let natural nature take its course. Very limited, uh, limited management and active management in there. They don't uh, realize human impact as a part of natural that natural yeah. environment. So to them, they want all those goats removed. Just like down in, I think it was uh, uh, Washington where they were shooting them out of helicopters, oh, removing them down yeah. there. Yeah, it kind of the same thing, you know. Uh, yeah. So I mean, a big Olympics, big part of what we do is that federal state management because it, you know. A lot of Alaskans, we like to hunt to eat. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You know? Um, Feds are looking at public land and access for everybody, a place to visit, tourism. You know, their their management goals are completely different. Sure. Until it becomes an issue. You know, Mm -hmm. when they start having predator issues or something, then then let's start looking at things a little different. But, um, like, last year, they're looking at getting away from predator-prey management at all on federal lands. Really? It's like, if you like to hunt caribou and moose, that's a big problem. Oh, man jump back into a 25-year cycle right i don't think any of us want that are those people that are on those federal management boards alaskans or they're get flown up for these meetings and uh, it's it's a variety um a variety like the federal subsistence boards are all federal subsistence users okay um i don't think you're gonna find any federal subsistence users that's against hunting bears because they like to eat caribou and moose too yeah um but you know it goes from the top down you know you think like yep. you know the the biggest part about this job that I'm not a big fan of is politics. But if you want to do anything when it comes to game management and wildlife in Alaska, politics is a huge part of that. You got to mm-hmm. kind of put your boxing gloves on and go to work, huh? Yeah, the Department of Interior manages federal land. That's 60% of Alaska's land mass. So Biden puts Hayland in charge of the Department of Interior. That's She makes the decisions in Alaska when she's been here a few times ever, yeah. right? So those decisions are getting made in Washington and not even getting made by most people here. With the federal subsistence users, um, like that, let's talk about was it Unit Twenty Six that got shut down up on the slope for sheep? Yep. And so twenty four. Oh right, right yeah. along the corridor. Yep. So could the subsistence, the federal subsistence users, still go harvest sheep in that area? Um, so the proposal that they pass, nobody can. Okay. Which is kind of a unique thing that usually doesn't happen often. Uh huh. Um, they are seeing a decline in that area, for sure. Right. Um, there's no denying that. So in, in that particular case, then yeah, um, they close it for everybody. But in most of these cases, like, um, 
border game process coming up. Uh, you can look at that. It even trickles it over into the Alaska border game process. Um, look at the closures they're proposing right now in 26 and 25 and 18 and area, other areas where they're looking at closing it to non-local users only. Mm. Um, and, and some of that areas, it makes sense. Some of those areas, it's like, you know, the amount of trophy hunters in, in western Alaska that are going up there to hunt moose, you know, they're targeting, you know, 100, 200 moose in an entire year. Yeah. Um, there's over 10,000 shot locally. How can you really point yeah, to, the, yeah. to those groups that are making the impact there? Totally. And it's always hard to compete with winter. But, you know, the, the issue when all these populations start dwindling, right, everybody is very passionate about it, which is good. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're all passionate about it because it's a big part of our lives in Alaska, right? Yeah. We hunt, fish, take our kids outside. Our kids are raised on wild game, so of course we're all going to be passionate about it. We don't want to lose it. And then when those populations start dropping, like sheep and caribou and everybody is, everybody has a different opinion on how to save it, and they're all passionate about it, which is which is good. But we start getting into this fight of who gets the biggest chunk of the pie. Right. Right. Um, Unit 19C, you guys familiar with the closure going yeah. on there? Mm-hmm. Um there's a big fight in allocation, right? Because some guides, like their livelihood right. mm-hmm. is there. There was a proposal to close 19C to five to 10 years to non-locals and locals, everybody. It mm-hmm. came from the local ACs. They just want to close it to everybody. This is for sheep. For sheep, yeah. yeah. They closed it um, to non-locals, left it open to locals, and the board of game changed that on the spot. That was not their original um, proposal. What that has caused, though, is some nonprofits, some guides, the hunting community divided, strongly divided, mm. very passionately, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, so some guys that, that are close friends of mine are on the opposite side of the aisle, and you see these conversations on social media and stuff where people are just butting heads and getting nasty. Yeah. Mm. Well, how well do you think they're going to speak when they actually need to show up on an issue when an anti-hunting organization sue in the state or a federal yeah, subsistence board? where you right. have to come together as a team. Right. right. And then on, on... But you come in divided. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we lose what I think should be the focus in the conversation sometimes. Like 19C, their survey showed seven legal sheep, right? Yeah. We're literally talking about single-digit number of harvestable, yeah. harvestable surplus. And what's the focus on the conversation? Who gets to kill them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the wrong conversation. To me, yeah. yeah that's completely yeah. the wrong conversation. We went yeah, in we're there, not looking long game We went here. and flew in there, and it's just devastating what's mm-hmm. happened to D and C. It's, uh, I mean, it just, like, broke my heart. Yeah, and I think, you know, we can disagree. I, I Like some of my friends, we strongly disagree, and we'll never agree on, on some of those issues, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for people that show up and voice their opinion one way or the other. I don't. Yeah. You know, even if I disagree with you. At least yeah. they showed up. Um, but I think our focus on all these, I mean, the kings, the clams, the caribou, mm-hmm. the yep. doll sheep. I mean, notice the trends here. And yep. uh, Hell yeah. I just have a hard time believing there's nothing we can do that's all weather. Yeah. You know, and I, I bump heads with a lot of guys in the sheep world because of that. Right. And, and some of the biologists, uh, which is fine. But like growing up on the Kenai, you know, I was born and raised down there. And in my teenage years, that's been five days a week in those mountains. Right. Um, you know, Kurt from Stone Glacier hunted the same areas that we hunted. Me and him have talked about those areas a lot, right? That area is open right now to general harvest hunting and has an 80% decline in sheep. 80% decline in a species of animal that only exists in this state. Yeah. But all the draw tags in those areas are closed. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, have, a, I have a really big problem with that. 
Mm. And it's just like, and how can we just say there's nothing we can do? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and then when we start looking at issues like the haul road with the closure on sheep, it's like, what do we do and what do we say as state hunters to keep that area from closing when, you know, we got other areas that are hurting even worse or even bad? It's yep. just like, what do you even say in that situation, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I certainly don't have the answers, but it is, yeah. I mean, we got to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. Mind-boggling. We had kind of poked around on just, you know, bullshitting on the pod uh, about this, about sheep specifically, is you know, maybe they could do like a tiered permit system, you know, and get rid of harvest tags for sheep, but make it easier to get, mm-hmm. you know, than the other tags. And they're like in a different division. So you can apply for these ones that used to be harvest ones, the, cur- the current ones, and then the, the current draw tags separately. But something that limits some access and basically, you know, helps help sustain the sheep population from the hunter pressure side so our kids' kids can go do this stuff. Because, right. I mean, I've been sheep hunting since I was a little kid, and it is a completely different world. And if it it's on the same trajectory, just the same trajectory as 10 years, our kids won't be sheep hunting. Yeah, especially on the Kenai. We, I mean, might, we might not like, be sheep hunting. Yeah. Right, and that's, I mean, I had the hardest time because I drew that tag this year to go goat hunting, and I was like, I, the only time I had available was during sheep season. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, well, should I be sheep hunting anyways? And it's like... Such a hard mm. thing because there's so many people, as you know, like full curl management does not affect sheep populations. No hunting pressure does, right? And that's where I have – this is where the biggest issues I have with other sheep hunters are that are like, stop talking about closing anything. We'll never get it back. And it's just like, well, oh. what we can do or, you know, the possibilities of what is possible, what we can do, we don't really know until we try. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the study that Brad and Windling with departments doing right now in the Brooks Range, they're doing a huge study on hunted populations versus non-hunting populations. And hopefully we'll gain some more information from that. But, you know, what everybody's saying right now is there's a lot of unknowns, right? Okay, so what do we need? We need information. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so I think the first thing we should do uh, when it comes to sheep is make it a registration hunt. Mm. Bang. I'm yeah. with you on that. What, yeah. what is big time? What impact is that going to have on a hunter? The same thing that it's going to take to get a harvest ticket. The only difference is you have to turn it in. You have to give the information to the department or you can't draw tags. That's a pretty low consequences. Yeah. You know. And that's what you should be fucking doing anyway. Well, and you have to call in every whatever three days or, you know, and well, check in. But. Yeah, it depends on some hunts. It just really depends on, oh. on the hunt. You know, like when they first opened RB300 on the Kenai for brown bears, man, I was sitting there in the parking lot trying to get service on my phone to call the hotline, yeah, you know, yeah. now it's just, you know, Hey, we're going to shut it down if it gets to a point. And I, I think that's it, probably where they would start. And it just got shut down last summer for the first time in like 18 years or some shit. Yeah. The 10 year average or whatever uh, it was. Yeah. It got, exaggerating it got that. I, I, yeah, it got shut down for the first time. I think 13 years maybe. Okay. Um, but because the sow harvest, right? Could, yeah, some sows. Sows, yeah. Cause sows got smoked. Yeah. And, but I'm not super <laughs> mad about that though. You know, I, I put in the proposal to extend the Kenai bait season that got passed all the way to June 30th this next year. Dude, yeah, we're we're going to have some fun this spring. Well, that's when you start seeing most of those bears on your cameras anyway. And, and they, like, yeah, exactly. That's why fuck, I put dude, in. It closes and you're like, dude, there's nothing but brown bears on this thing. Yeah, and <clears throat> so they the biologist is like, well, you're probably going to lose the fall part of that hunt. And it's just like, well, who mostly hunts bears in September in Kenai? Well, probably somebody who's moose hunting that gets a tag because, hey, 
he's going mountain moose hunting. If he sees a bear, he's going to shoot it. Yep. Is he going to go, hey, is that a sow or a boar? No. No. But if he spends, you know, two months putting in a bait station that's checking cameras all the time, is he going to shoot the seven-foot sow or is he going to shoot the nine-foot boar? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to target the boars. Well, and, you know, with that uh, uh, um, strategy – I feel like you're more apt to choose a mature bear, an older bear, because you're gonna you're gonna learn, especially maybe to a new bait bear bait uh, bear baiter. I mm-hmm. guess I'll call it. Uh, I know, I know that I know. sounds like a shirt. <laughs> new yeah. bear baiter. Uh, I know it sounded weird. It made me lose my train of thought for a second. I, I feel like there's an opportunity for a guy to gain more knowledge. By sitting in a stand and seeing more and more bears and activity and behavior mm-hmm. and go, oh, okay, that's what a sow looks like. That's what a boar looks like. That's their behavior. That's what they're doing. Um, less likely to kill a sow who may have some cubs 50 yards away that he can't see. Um, makes you a smarter hunter. Makes you a better hunter. Makes you a more informed hunter on how to mm-hmm. find mature bears. Right. Um so, yeah, and, and like, like you said, who's hunting bears in the fall? No. And if you go down to the Kenai, where would you hunt bears in the fall? Right. Kenai River? Can't hunt Can't hunt right on the river. Yeah, Russian and, River can't hunt on the I Russian mean, River either. Yeah. It's just like. You yeah. want a big fishy, gnarly, still summer rubbed up. That's where the food bear is. Bear in September, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, so you were, you were, you were on that pro push for that extension. Oh, yeah, that was my proposal. I saw that in the regs. I was like, awesome, oh, man. dude, that's fucking awesome. Well, and because I don't agree with the fact that the board should be able to change a proposal, I think they should oh. be able to pass, fail, the end. But oh. I knew that they change them sometimes, right? So, I mean. There's like exceptions I'm, to the rule. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm going to ask for it all. And they're yeah. going to give me an extra 10 days. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, pass it. I'm like. I'll take what I can get. I'll take what I can get. So in Kenai, like, especially where we bait, they don't come in um, the majority, generally speaking, right? They don't come in until the later part of May. Mm -hmm. Season ended the 31st. Um, If you have calves drop, typically the calving uh, peak is around the third week. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if the calves drop early, now you're competing also with a natural food source that you will never be able to beat out. Yep, totally. Um, I mean, when... Bears were hitting our baits on the Kenai. If calves dropped, the bears on all bait stations disappear for a week. Yeah. Brown bears. We're talking about yeah. brown bears. Um, so I really just wanted an extra week or so because that's when the bear, most of the bears are coming in. They're going to rut the last weekend. May, they're still hitting, and they're still coming around, and the hair is still phenomenal. Right. Yeah. You know, we shot five bears down there last year, and not a single rub on any of those bears. They're pretty. I mean. Perfect. I had one bear, a client shot that had five inches of hair on his back. You know, it was just damn full on. Yeah, that's typically coat. where they're freaking. Oh yeah, rubbing it out. I got that's a that's an RB three hundred right there. Oh, very that nice. One is. Um, well, to respect to to the to the process too. Um, when when you when you talk about that time frame, uh, you're you're. Aren't you helping on the predatory management side by extending and then intercepting some of those maybe more aggressive bears that are smoking moose calves left and right? Well, 100% anytime, right? You know? We're, like Bears are our natural competitor, right? Yeah. And Apex predator. We are having this conversation because where we're at. 
urban Alaska, right? And that, mm-hmm. that's why it's a big hot topic and we go through these big process. You think that these conversations happen in rural parts of Alaska? No. No. Beca- right. you just why? Go, because you just go hunt. Yeah, because you're competing with that predator. Mm. Do you need a tag to shoot that predator? No. You have an opportunity to shoot that predator? Yep. Well, then you're going to take that opportunity. It happens more often than not, right? Um, so we're having these conversations because they're around ur- urban populations where, and then all of a sudden it's a, a big political issue. You have nonprofits on a nationwide level that are advocating for the vulnerable, yeah. vulnerable brown bears of the Kenai. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Direct quote. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> you know? And, and there's just, just like, a million of them. And, and there's just a lot of input from people all over the country that, you know, they don't eat moose, you know, and I, I don't dislike those people. I don't want to be taken a, as, you know, that somebody that hates an outsider because they don't know. Well, if I grew up in California and my version of outside has always been my family goes to the park, I grew up in a major city, I, I don't know why that these people up in Alaska see this big, beautiful creature and want to shoot it. Like, oh, of course I'm going to I'm gonna think something that about it because I, I have yeah. no idea. Oh, yeah. It's a lack mm-hmm. of education, you know, that... We as a hunting community, we're so passionate about it. Sometimes we, we're our own worst enemy because we start attacking people without educating. Yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you, could you criticize yeah. me for yeah, doing something I love? I grew up here. It's like, well, they don't really know. And, and also kind of like the over like posting of dead animals. Like if, if, mm. if you're posting them and you got all these people that come from a different culture following it, that's not going to go, that's not educating them no that's immediately turning them into an enemy it's it's negative yeah and and it's just like all over the place it's just dead animals dead animals dead animals and it's you know there's better ways to to inform folks that are from the different culture and i mean if you are going to post that kind of stuff it should be like i mean it should be more private you know it should be amongst the community that accepts that so then we don't create more enemies Mm -hmm. right well i mean you got the entire hunting industry that's built you know, around killing an animal, right, yeah. and selling products that are based on the size of the animals you killed. Yeah, yeah, right. So, I mean, that that's added a whole nother element to that Dude, conversation as well. A lot yeah. of pressure, and, and there's some people that'll never agree with us, which is fine. But there's yeah. a whole lot of people in the middle. Oh, totally. That, you know, believe in your right to do whatever you want to do, and they believe in their right to do whatever they want to do, yep. and they won't want to get involved in your business. But if you go out of your way. To throw a bunch of blood and guts in their face yeah. and puff your chest out. Well, those people vote too, mm. you know? And it's yeah. like at the end of the day, you know, like even in Alaska where hunting is a major part of what we do and yeah. how we live, hunters yeah. are a minority in Alaska, period, you know? And a lot of people are going to like, well, we would never lose our rights to hunt and fish and stuff in Alaska. And so it's yeah. like, uh, okay, well, look at some of the millions of acres that are looking to get closed. Look at... You know, the vulnerable brown bears of the Kenai. Yeah. You know, it's like, look at the lawsuits. Like, like the one that charged me and Chad after it buried a moose. Mm-hmm. Like the very vulnerable. vulnerable. Very, very vulnerable. Very, very, very vulnerable. Yeah. Very vulnerable. <laughs> Pretty much ready to murder anything that came within 100 yards of that carcass. <laughs> I'm not sure who said it, but it's, it's so funny about bears compared to any other animal on yeah. why it gets so controversial. And it's just like, man, they're... They breed like everything else. They yeah. the only difference is because they're carnivore and we're competing food sources. You know, and it's like, and a lot of places in the United States don't have them, so I think they hold a special status. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, when they're looking Yogi, at Yogi, man. Hollywood. What is it called? Yeah. Like anamorphized or something? It's like where they like Whoa. turn them into like cartoon, cartoon characters. Oh, yeah. They and so you humanize them. Right. And yeah. And that is like you just like bears have always been that. You know, you got like Yogi the bear and uh, dude, whatever, you know. Yeah. Maybe. The, the cat my fat bear contest. Oh, yes. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah That's right. 100% because at the end of the day, like, I don't care what number you put on that bear. You back it into a corner, that bear's going to eat you, and it doesn't care what you called it. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, like a bear and most animals, they want to eat, they want to sleep, they need shelter, and they want to procreate. Mm-hmm. That's like, they, yeah. you know, the end. Very yeah. simple. You know what I mean? It's like, if you Priorities. look at, <laughs> right, if you look at wildlife populations, right, and, and put them in that perspective, it's like, well, the management game changes. Yeah. Right. 100%. Yeah, those things are eating machines is what right. they are. Yeah, I think we all know about that study on the Kenai. I think that they put uh, cameras on all the bears. Oh, for the calving? Yeah, yeah. And, and to see how one, I think the top one killed like 58 in <sighs> three weeks. Yeah. You know? And so yeah, like, average is 42, I think. Yeah. For like amongst the group. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. I know some bears are just better killers than others. Sure. It's fine. You know, mm-hmm. my buddy... Like, we get in this argument because if we bear bait, he's just like, no, we should try to shoot every bear we can off the bait. And I'm like, no, I only target big boars because I'd rather target the more experienced bear that knows yeah. how to target those cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been, been killing. Know. Right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I don't want to kill all the bears either. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have, like, I, I look at a lot of bears on a lot of hunts on the goat hunt. You know, I passed on, like, 12 bears I could have shot. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I, like, I stood there and filmed them and watched them, watched a mom nurse or cubs you know it is an amazing experience right it's like but i also understand that you know in our human world or the world period right we there's only so much land mass and we're dissecting that every day oh totally to as we're expanding these concrete jungles that's right and everything else is shrinking and so it's our responsibility you know as stewards of this planet to manage that wildlife period absolutely and it's going on that note a little bit it's like you know these people care about these like whatever the bear the bigger mammals but it's like you go put this walmart in this new subdivision with you know that you don't need in this area that maybe we could have left with hiking trails how many like squirrels are these small mammals Mm -hmm. everything's being impacted but no one's speaking up for all these small ones then you go drive on the east coast and it's just a concrete jungle for hundreds and hundreds of miles and mm-hmm. it's like that what's the impact of that you know yeah versus us like going out and hunting yeah the coastlines the fish man look at the east and west coast of the united states yeah. the amount of population <laughs> right on the coastline holy cow yeah, yeah, right on the crazy. water yeah a few years ago i drove highway 101 uh just solo for a couple of weeks on my time off R. what an amazing part of the country oh yeah you know, just to experience but i mean yeah it was like i remember going to la during traffic one day, and I'm like, no. Oh, yeah, never dude. again. Yeah, that's just, insane. Just smelling f- freaking exhaust. Just huffing and yeah. puffing it. I, I, had, so I had a thought real quick. Circling back on the sheep closures uh, up in the brooks. So that was a, uh, well, I would, I'll call it a federal overreach based on a state study that was done. Obviously, they opposed the closure. To the feds, and then they they overrode it, and so you mentioned earlier. Now the state is now um, pursuing data and, and doing research and and working it. Um, 
What What's the thought pro? I guess would you know what the thought process of the state is thinking that they can now overturn it? I I guess like beyond the research they already did, like what else can they do now? I, I, with the decline in numbers, I guess. Well, well not specific closure. They're going to let it run its course. And okay. set a date on it. Uh, June this year. Oh, it's been oh. be the second. The it's been closed for two years. It yeah, should right. Should be open in June. Doesn't mean closed it's going in twenty two last yeah, 22, summer. 20, so it might be closed oh. this year too. Hard to yeah, say. This is the second year it was closed. Yeah, so I want to say no, we did I like know. a. We came together at the studio and we listened to the the state's um, testimony uh, opposing it. Right. Yeah. So one thing I love about the state is uh, science-based management of wildlife, and that's why we, yeah. as an organization, absolutely, one hundred percent, will always support state management um, because it's based on science, as it should be, mm -hmm. right? And so that's what the state is asking the big question: Are we impacting the sheep? Yes or no? What What more can we find out? They're studying areas that can't be hunted. They're studying areas that can be hunted to find out because they want that answer. Yeah. Is, it's not just about fighting the feds on who's opening and who's closing. It's like what's real and what's not, as, as it should mm -hmm. be, right? I think if we had the budget and availability and fishing Game was funded way more than they are now, yeah. we can do a study before we make any decision on any wildlife. That would right. be great, but we can't. Yeah, yeah it's not realistic. When we can, we should. Right, and, and so that's what they're doing up there right now. Um, and, and I have a high respect for those guys because you know they're they're sheep hunters too. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. they love it. Yeah. Absolutely, mm -hmm. they are. Are they doing true population studies? Or are they doing like they're gonna do a little bit of area and then fur the rest? When I went up there, my um, my favorite uh, camping trip as a family every year in June we drive up there and camp just for the sake of camping because it's fantastic right so my kids you know the summer we're playing on tulick lake and playing yeah. on galbraith lake in june and it looked like an air force up there oh, okay of super mm, cubs all right so i'm not sure on all the there, details it's probably like a complete study this time but i've never seen that many cubs even during sheep season all right dude That's it, it great. was amazing i know like that sheep right now are one of the the species that have like the inferred kind of process so if they're looking at like 19d or c or whatever they'll fly like a certain amount of it mm -hmm. and then infer the rest of the population and versus like 13 where they fly it completely for caribou yeah. what is furring infer like infer. like they're using like hey if this data is here looks like this here we're gonna say that the rest of the area has that like same population oh, it's inferred like a, data kind of like a forecast or um you're using one population set and saying hey the the rest of the area is going to have the same population set so then okay. the whole F, the whole population set will have that ratio or whatever okay. that population density really just an educated guess yeah based on yeah and same thing with kodiak too i, I did a podcast mm. with a biologist down there that i haven't produced yet that it was the same thing we i'm like hey what do you because they talk about carrying capacity and all kinds of stuff i'm like well what is that carrying capacity and what do they know and mm. because those animals aren't sealed and you oh. know uh they don't actually see those animals they don't really know a lot more than you would think like what's a large billy what's a small billy what's the average age when are they pregnant how many females you know because uh -huh. a lot of those aren't sealed that right. a lot of that data is i mean the fact that we've created sealing around all sheep and we create registration i think that i mean it's just more and more data yeah yeah at a, at a very low cost yeah and that with the doll sheep being a registration at least they could be like hey we hit some threshold we're going to shut it down which they can't mm. do right now yeah absolutely 
Yeah. And maybe this threshold, like you have like for nannies, for uh, goats, like where, you know, you get a certain amount of nannies taken in a certain area, you get a certain amount of like sub-legals taken in that area. It's like, phew, we're going to shut it down. Well, that is the most frustrating part to me is because like the Kenai we were talking about, all the all the draw areas are shut down. Why? Because they deserve it. There's no legal rams there. Gen- like in one area I've hunted, there's literally uh, one mountain that's got a big saddle in the middle. Uh, rams are on the north side of that saddle, general harvest. South side of that saddle, draw tag. I, I mean, and it's literally like a quarter mile across, maybe a few hundred feet, in, right? Yeah. And It's a cycle area where they just live in. Right, <laughs> exactly. So if you catch them on the north side, you got a general harvest tag, you can definitely shoot them. And I right. came really close to shooting some rams. But most of the rams that are shot in that particular spot are seven, and they squeak. By, yeah. Like the first year they cut that, bam. But... By leaving that open, to me, you know, it's like, well, you know you're going to kill so many sublegals. You know that based on data. Yeah, right. you're just, right, right, you're just right. hurting the population and, doing that. And that's probably where we get most of our hunter impacted on the population. But to me, I mean, I think they could make some big progress there. I mean, I know they were just talking about taking away the eight, eight-year-old requirement on sheep. A lot of people had a problem with that, but I mean that would certainly knock down the sublegal status. I think if you had to know that it was only full curl or broomed, that's yeah. the, the only two you get. You'd yeah. probably leave some opportunity on the mountain for sure. But having that experience, Rams, me personally, I don't think would be a problem. You know, a lot of people disagree with me and totally respect their opinion on mm-hmm. that. And I know a lot of people think I'm wrong on that, yeah. but I think having a few. I mean, we've all shot the lead ram and watched the rest of the group stand there. Yep. So if we left a couple more lead rams because they weren't full curl or broomed, yeah, I want you know if if it helps a little bit, I think we all yeah. need to make sacrifices at this point in the stage with all kinds of populations in order for our kids to have yeah. an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you just said it right there. It's like kind of have to take action now on this. Yeah, on a, on a lot yeah. of populations. Yeah, yeah. like got to start making some decisions if we're looking long game, right? Yeah, and we're get to a point with a lot of populations, like on the Yukon with kings, where every animal matters, right? No, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. The kings, you know, it's like, hey, the trawlers only, they only caught 10,000. Well, that's 10,000 more fish that were in their river yeah. that those fishing villages care about. Yep. A hundred percent. Yep, and could have reproduced. You know, kings yep. on the Kenai, being born and raised, I was born and raised five minutes from the Kenai River. I've caught two kings in my entire lifetime, caught and released. You know, I'm 32 Damn. years old. Yeah. I remember at... 2013 i shared a post on my facebook about a closure i just seen the other day and i'm like man what would be different right now if we would have done something back then right well or if we just managed the late season like we've managed the early season for 20 years mm-hmm. you right. know like the tw- the early season's been catching at least forever you mm-hmm. know so well and i think in that uh, that example nobody is coming to alaska to fish the Kenai with the expectation to take home a Kenai King. So, you know, I'm like, is it worth the stress on that population just for the sake of sport? Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, I yeah. think we can clearly say that, right? Um, yeah, I don't, that's I don't what think it, it is. is. Yeah, at this point in time or like 20 years ago. You know? <laughs> right. Because like 20 years ago, you would have been probably okay with it and we wouldn't be worrying about it. But now, where they're at? Yeah, because there's no fish. It's bad, man. Yeah. Like, it's a way of Alaska life that's gone it's in our generation. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, imagine the people on the Yukon. 
Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, imagine getting a frozen box of fish. I had a, had a conversation with a representative a while back ago that said, we were talking about the bycatch issue, and they're like, well, they should utilize the bycatch more because Alaskans just want fish in their freezer. I said, you go to the Yukon and ask those people if they want fish in their freezer or do they want to catch fish that like, their families have been doing for thousands of years on that Absolutely, river. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> they yeah. zero... No care about that. That was box all Alaska fashion. representative. Alaska representative. Man, oh, man, disconnected a little bit. Well, yeah, you got to wonder about that oath yeah. in the Alaska Constitution. You're like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. The unfortunate part about this job, you know, politics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can't avoid it. No. Mm. Let's take another break, real quick. Big Ray's The Alaskan Outfitter. Committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Ray's has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. At Big Ray's, you'll find brands like Carhartt, Grundens, Darn Tough, FXD, Okiwear, and more. Big Ray's is your one-stop shop for both outdoor gear and rugged work attire. Check out their new exclusive line of durable but affordable waders inspired by and named after the majestic Aralik River in remote western Alaska. The Aralik wader was designed by Alaskans and proven for the diverse waters of the last frontier. Visit Big Rays at any of their five locations statewide, two in Anchorage, two in Fairbanks, one in Kodiak, or check them out online at BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration, helping Alaskans turn disasters into new beginnings since 1972. Their 24-hour services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, and repairs. Tailored built its reputation with years of committed and reliable service to the community with innovative restoration and home remodeling. When you have an unexpected home issue at the most improbable time, Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you anytime, day or night. Tailored Restoration has locations to serve you in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Give them a call at 907-344-1239 or make an appointment today at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and Overlander products. If you want to customize your vehicle, talk to the team at Total Truck where you'll find their expertise along with top brands such as ARE, RSI Smart Caps, Goose Gear, Eye Camper, Front Runner, Rigid Lights, Rhino Lining Bed Liners, and everything you need to outfit your truck or SUV. Want to turn your truck into a sleeping option? They have rooftop tents, custom camping equipment, electronics, and solar energy packages to keep you powered up deep in the backcountry. Stop by their store location on Dowling between the new and old Seward Highway or check them out at TotalTruckAK.com. energy into where you can get the winds like like right archery range upgrades and clubhouses and absolutely well there's so many issues that i want to i want people to get involved but not so like scared off right at the bat like well there's big issues because like the average alaskan we talking about federal and state management they're going to be like what are you guys doing with aoc right mm. so a, a large um Part of the other issues we focus on, kids programs, access issues, stuff like that, you know, people can get behind. And the more that they see us involved in those issues, they come on board a lot of time because of those issues, right? I, mm. um, we supported a lot of shooting teams this year. We got a large 
membership growth from parents and people involved in those shooting teams. Okay. And then they see our newsletters and they read and they learn so many about these other issues that they're like, whoa, I didn't even know this was a thing. A lot, yeah. a large part of these issues we work on, a lot, most Alaskans have no idea about. So it's more or less a, uh, maybe like an easier or under, a better understandable barrier to entry to this through supporting a shooting team and then going, okay, we're, you got my attention. I want to be part of this as a solution. Then they'll expand their mind to uh, trying to unpack like big issues right. and get behind them. Yeah, is absolutely. That, that'd be kind of a good way to explain it because yeah. it does seem daunting because like, I'm just average Alaskan and you start throwing around these big issues. I'm just like, where's the start? Where's the end? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like right. I... I'm, it's so intimidating. I'm just gonna back into the shadows, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, I don't know. Can I even make a difference? Can I even do anything about it? Well, that's but, the, that's the thing, uh, about a large part of our processes when it comes so we're just talking about the hunting fishing issues right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole other chunk of the pie access issues. Mm-hmm. Right. And oh, a l- yeah. large part of these issues and a large part of what you know, AOC's motto has been is we're your voice on outdoor issues in Alaska because these issues require public input, most of them, mm-hmm. right? So if there is a input on, um, let's say, Steese, right, highway, uh, BLM on weight, um, weight limits on four-wheelers, right? That's probably going to affect all of us at least some point in our lives right. as sure. Alaskans, right? Yeah. But if they do that meeting at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, how many of us are going to show up? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right? Like three people. AOC is going to show up. Yeah. That's what we do. Right. right? And uh-huh. so when people are saying, hey, why should I join AOC? What do we do? Like, that. that's what we do. We're I, there for you. Right. And we don't. You can't be. I don't try to beat our chest on what how much we raise. We do talk about what we do because I've been part of organizations before as a member where I'm like, hey, where's my money going? Mm. And I want every member to know, like, this is your, where your money's going. It's not going in a bank account to disappear I'm constantly telling you, yeah, it, we're patting ourselves on the back because I want you to know where it's going. And I want you to know that the, the money's going to local issues, local Alaskan issues. You know, a large part of my raffles now, I, I put them um, like direct accent action issues. Like we, we got a raffle right now for Mod Road shooting range, right? Mm. There's, um, there was a conflict between DOT and DNR. Nobody wanted to take ownership of the road and DNR didn't have the budget for it. So we just said, well, how much does it pay to plow the road? Well, we'll give you permission. You got to find a contractor to do it. We found a great local contractor that's right up the road, and we just did a raffle. And now we just, hey, what's this? Where's this money going? It's going directly to the plow nice. guy, and he's plowing the road. And now we have access issues. That's awesome. Isn't it like a quarter mile, too, that we're talking about plowing? Uh, no, we're talking about like three to five. Three to five miles? Yeah. Oh, oh. You're talking from like the pavement all the way to the shooting range and oh, the entire nice. parking lot and all the pull offs. Awesome. Oh, oh, okay. Because mm. I thought it was. Yeah. Maintained up to, uh, so from the old Glen, and then there's like a cul-de-sac. Yeah, if you go down Mod Road all the way to the end, there's a subdivision there, yeah. and there's a turn right there, and there's a sign that says mm-hmm. Hunter Access Funds Paid for This Road. Yeah, it's maintained to that sign. Okay. And so we paid to plow everything after that, which oh. is super icy right now. If you go out there to go shoot, yeah. be careful. Oh, You're drawing out on Christmas? Yeah, I got it up there. On oh, yeah. the, you can the have thing. the kids gra- draw yeah. it right so, out of the. So you still, if you're listening, you can still uh, purchase the tickets. Only ten bucks. Man, Santa's yeah. coming to someone's house. Yeah, AlaskaOutdoorCouncil.org. Sure and and check out that rifle. That rifle is yeah, made is by uh, Alaska Hydrographics. Completely custom, 
Right, fully engraved on both sides of that. Oh, uh, wow. 450 yeah. Bushmaster. It is sweet. Yeah. We actually, he built that uh, for us for a banquet. Somebody donated it back to us, and then we raffled off again for the issues. So we've oh, ra- already man, raised money so for cool. our advocacy, and now we can raise money again for this Mod Road issue. That's awesome. I was oh, wondering about that, how um, how you guys are able to offer, you know, Can-Am 500 or this rifle or mm-hmm. this truck or whatever it is. Is that just these people are believing in what you guys are doing and they're donating that? How does that work? So it it's, differs a lot throughout the board. A lot of people are like, well, you probably got this four-wheeler for free. It's like, no, I, uh, I'm i a blue-collar guy that worked 10 years in the oil field. Uh, when I first took this job, asking for donations was like the hardest part of my job. Yeah. So I try to make everything I do, I try to work with local businesses, make it a two-way street, show them support, show how we can help them and how they can help us, and they do. Like Team CC and uh, Eagle River and Wasilla, um, we bought three machines to them uh, this year. They do give us a discount sometimes. Um, some small businesses, they can afford to. In this economy, in the last couple of years, they can't, right? right. So we're going to go support yeah. that business. Mm. And then, obviously, that's going to affect our raffle prices, right? I try to make everything where you have an equal – you have a decent chance, usually better than draw odds, yeah. to, yeah, to right. win the yeah, item. Yeah, yeah. 2%. Right? Um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna <laughs> to vary. Like I did a sheep hunt last year, a desert sheep hunt out of Mexico. We just drew at our banquet, right, $60,000 hunt. We did $200 a ticket, only 600 tickets, right? So, yeah, yeah it's, ooh, that's $200. Yeah. That's an expensive ticket, but yeah. it's like you got a one in 600 chance. Yeah, um, yeah, man. And so most of the raffles, I try to do that and only do it like this one. Mm-hmm. It's not limited tickets, but it's only $10 a ticket, and it's only going on for a couple weeks. Yeah. So that way, hey, $10, that's, you have a pretty good chance of winning it, but we're also got a pretty good chance of of raising enough money with that one raffle to take care of that maintenance for the only public access shooting range in the Valley all winter. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. So yeah, it goes a long way. You know, when people are like, man, what, what are these guys doing all these raffles? It's like, well, ask me where the money from any one of those raffles are going to go. I can yeah. tell you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't beat my chest on how much we raise. I just try to let the public know where all of our money goes, Yeah, you know, and especially for governor tags. Mm-hmm. Cause we do like, I got a fog neck bear hunt. I yeah. donated the guiding to next year. We're going to, we're raffling off right now too. 10 bucks as well. Nice. Um, so 30% of that we keep 70% goes back to the state for wildlife management. Our 30% has to go to certain programs. In my eyes, the public just gave me their resource and trust to raise money mm-hmm. to put that money to good use back in the community. Yeah. Right. So every year, like when we do that or the Super 7 raffle with the mm-hmm. Department of Fishing Game, all of that money goes directly to programs like this or mm-hmm. shooting range or public access projects. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. So you guys are de- directly tied to the, the Super 7 or whatever? Yeah, one of those tags is ours every okay. year. And, man, um, God, last year we put in that, that kids club out at KGB. The AKS is building it. The biggest shooting park in Alaska. Uh-huh. That will be 100% focused to kids. Awesome. It'll be bigger oh, than Birchwood. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Man, that's Over 200 rad. acres, right? Wow. And those guys, it's been Neil and Lindy Moss just that one, I mean, they are AKS, right? Uh-huh. Um, that one couple that's been billing it. And we worked with them. Um, so we were part of Super 7. All of our uh, Super 7 funds one year went to that. And then last year, um, Super 7 funded um, the Northern Lights Skeet Trap um, Scholastic target program uh-huh um they, we funded that we funded tvsa for shooting range employment um uh, improvements delta sportsman's improvements and the, some rotc kids uh, okay. help 
uh, sponsor them. Sweet. Well, for people that don't know, what is a Super 7? So the Super 7 is like the best big game raffle. It's like the best tag. Seven species. Mm-hmm. Unimac brown bear. Uh, you know, you got sheep. I mean, the best of the best. And then we throw in a chunk of prizes and cash with it too. Yeah. Um, so if you draw the you got sheep tag, you also get $5,000 cash on top of it. And if you buy certain tickets on certain months, you get a whole bunch of gear on top of it. Yeah. You know, so it's seven different on profits working with the state. Um, we draw the tags this year in April. Uh, they just went on sale the other day. Then in April, the state gets 70%, 30% goes back to those nonprofits specifically for issues, community, and programs in Alaska. Yeah. Right. I always wondered how much of that, of like the Super 7 total, comes from out of state. Um, actually, the majority comes in from Alaskans. Really? And it has since the start. Okay. Cool. Which is, we've, yeah. we have yeah. meetings on this regularly. And because yeah. I intend like every sports show in the state, I'm kind of yeah. like, yeah, we should market more towards these guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I just, mm-hmm. just, especially the sheep one, you know, it comes mm-hmm. with a guide. You know, you got oh, all yeah. these people from like New York or whatever, and they can't afford to do a sheep hunt, yeah. but they could you throw down a hundred bucks, well, you know? Right. And then, well, on the tags, we've actually talked about this a lot because I'd actually prefer if they included the guides. They don't include guides on any of them. I thought the sheep one included a non-resident guide. Nope. Oh, really? No, okay. they, they, you get a chunk of change, and then there's like a list. Oh, they can choose. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's okay. right. There's a list. It's like less than 25% of the, the cost of the oh. guide. I think they'd really open it up if, if they included the guide. But, I mean, yeah. financially, it's got to make sense, too. Raffle strategy is such i mean mm, it's gotta I, be its own science i dude. really like scratch my head sometimes because i i mean i gotta do all the shopping favorite yeah. part about the job besides writing big checks to kids programs yeah, yeah. but i mean <laughs> going to the sportsman's you should have seen the guys at the gun counter when i'm like oh, i'll take five of these and ten of these you know oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. together a wallet guns <laughs> they're like when's this banquet yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah it's it's a head scratcher man because sometimes i'll put a five thousand dollar rifle out there and the guy's like nah, i got a 300 yeah, I'm like, yeah, but this is a five thousand dollars three hundred. He's like, nah, I got my one up head since it works. It's my dad. Yeah, <laughs> so. it shoots real straight. Yeah. <laughs> I like to get close. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, didn't know that didn't come with a guy. That's that's How more appealing to me, actually. Yeah, personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's I think is the reason why we see such strong support from the residents on that. And mm-hmm. I mean, the last couple of years, like every year. I mean, a good chunk of the winners are always uh, residents, too. Um, but, yeah, because, you know, what we're looking for, you know, is somebody who, if you're a non-resident, you're looking for somebody who's willing to gamble 20 bucks, but if they win, have the ability to drop 20K. Yeah. Yeah. In April, May, June, July, August, and four months. Yeah. And the availability availability and a guide to be able to fit a client in that right. period of time. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of like, ooh, all all the it's dots like have to a connect. Pro for the locals. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you win that Unimac, dude, I just did the hunt. I'm telling you, ooh, there's a lot of big bears down there. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's AOC's before we uh, lighten up the mood here? Uh, AOC's opinion, if they have one, on the Ambler Road. Ooh, good question. So on. All industrial access, let's just say across the board, right? AOC absolutely supports uh, building industrial access roads as long as it allows public access. Yep. Mm. If you're using public money, 
then it should be public access, yeah. period. I, I got in a bit of an argument with this with the ADA guy. Every year we do a meeting, um, and it rotates around the state, and all of our NGOs come together, state officials and government come to officials, so any of our members can come to this meeting and find out firsthand from these agencies, and sometimes even the governor, last one the Sol- Senator Sullivan was at, mm-hmm. right? So you can hear directly from the horse's mouth on major issues like right. this, right? And um, one of the issues we brought up, was like the West Sioux Road and the Ambler Road, mm-hmm, and, yep. and you know, like the head of Ada was just like, "Well, what's Ada? Um, it's the state's uh, investment corporations on on projects like the Ambler Road and the West Sioux okay. Project." Um, so you know, he, they were like, "Well, we got eight million dollars from the state for the West Sioux Project." Blah blah. It's like, okay, so you got eight million dollars of the public's money for public access, right? And he's like, "Well, we." We got eight million dollars from the state. And it's like no, yeah. You know, it's like if you're using my money, yeah, or all of our money. That's right. It it should guarantee access. Yes, a hundred percent. And so that's AOC's position on it. Um, you know, those there's very few topics. One thing about being an executive director, you know, in some organizations, people talk for the organization. Every, everything I say for the organization has usually been based on the board vote of our entire board of members. I, I will never okay. speak out of tor- turn without talking about our board. So when I talk on behalf of the organization on the Ambler Road and the West Sioux, 100% is if it's based on, if it does public access. Yeah. Because so, if you look at, I mean, we've all been on the Hall Road, yeah. right? You know? And that was closed yeah. at first, right? Right. And yeah. then what happened to make it public? It had, it had to do with us using public funds, right? Right, a- absolutely. And look, I mean, look at the amount of opportunity and access that has created for Alaskans, yeah. right? And we're hearing the same arguments right now that we heard before on the Hall Road. Man, as somebody who spent 10 years in the oil field up yeah. there, let me tell you, the caribou are not getting killed no, off by the oil field. No, no, no. Not no, at no. all. And it... Can you pick a better place in the world to drill for oil than Arctic coastline? The barren Arctic coastline? Yeah, that, that's like a, a little tricky, right? Like yeah. for response. <laughs> well, if you think about it, like, you know, I was I did pipe inspection, radiography, right? Uh-huh. So I, I, I can give you direct knowledge of what that pipeline looks like, what happens right. during spills and what happens with it, right? Yeah. Um, so let's say there's a phase three major blizzard. Pipe freezes, blows out at 12 o'clock, yeah. covers 80 acres in oil mm-hmm. that's covered in three feet of snow. What do they do? How do they clean that up? They just scrape the top of the snow off, right. put it in a pipe, and ship it back down the hole from where it came from. Yeah. Where else can you do that without affecting the wildlife and the, and the fish and everything? Sure. Right? right? And, you know, we have a big talk about roads and the impact that they're going to make, right? But we also just had a very long conversation about the management fish and wildlife in Alaska, that's not going to go away if we build a road, right? right? And working on the oil field, I've seen a lot of locals in the oil field and seen what kind of impact that has made to the local economy because that oil field exists. Oh, yeah. Right? Big time. And and so that's going to improve up there as well. Yeah. But, you know, when people are saying, hey, it's going to affect the fish, yes, it'll affect the fish. I'm not saying that's not true. Yeah. But I'm saying how much did the – Sterling Highway and the Seward Highway affect the sockeye run this year. Mm-hmm. Good right? point. How, how long has that been around? Yeah. You know, and we have mining roads. I mean, man, the Seward and the Sterling Highway yeah. resource extraction is the reason why all those trails exist in that area. Yeah, everything we have road system-wise is because of mines. Well, there's a, For the most part. A conversation that we seem to avoid a lot in Alaska, and 
it, all somebody has to do is look at the Alaska Statehood Act and the reason why we are a state. Mm. That's because mining and oil, period, right? Correct. Because the rest of the country goes, man, we don't have they don't have the population. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to be a welfare state. Can they even have an economy? You know, a lot of these issues, they're not new issues. You know, a lot of these mineral deposits we didn't learn about yesterday. Oh, you yeah, know, they've been. We knew about the amber mineral belt when we became a state. We knew about Anwar. Yeah. We knew about the Sterling gas fields. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's part of being a state. You know, yeah. we've changed a lot since then, for sure. Mm. But, you know, if you look in South America right now, uh, when the mines in Peru that are running low on copper ore, when that goes away, there's going to be a world, worldwide shortage on those minerals. Uh-huh. Right? And yeah. everybody, everybody here has a phone. We're yeah. talking to microphones. Those minerals are used in all those things. Yeah. And as we advance into green technology, all those minerals are used in all those things, too. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I, I would love if we could run on solar wind. I have no problem with that as a lifelong oil field worker. But the fact is, we're not there, and we're decades out. Yeah. In the meantime, we all still got to go outside, put gas in our car, and use our cell phones to go somewhere. Yeah. Right? Mm. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, great answer to that question, man. Yeah, for sure. So, oh, sorry, well, so what was it? What exactly happened with with the whole the road? road to go from you know no public access to public access, and how is that different at all from what's going on with Ambler? Man, I I would be speaking out on turn right. on the whole road. I don't, all right, I don't I'll, wanna... I'll figure it out, and we'll talk about it next time. But it just seems like how could that be different? Like if mm. the if the state or whatever sued the federal government and made that an mm-hmm. open you know road, it's something roughly that lines made the whole road public because we use you know public funds, and we're gonna use public funds for Ambler. I just don't see how how we could go away from that but well i think the biggest problem is you have the state working in collaboration with other groups to limit public access on, on this particular issue due to the subsistence concerns of locals in the area ah uh, okay uh, and that was part of their agreement i think with the private corporations was they're going to limit outsiders from using the road right right it's going to be specific private road we don't support that yeah uh, because equal access we all own the resources I mean, mm-hmm. a- AOC, you know, one thing that gets us into sticky waters with l- residents, too, is because um, we don't support laws uh, that are going to prioritize people based on race, religion, or residency mm-hmm. or yeah. where, they live. where they live. Right. You know what I mean? And a lot of people that are, like, part of certain nonprofits are sure. like, oh, you're anti-resident because you don't support this. And I'm like, no, I I was born and raised here. Yeah. I guide a little bit, but at the end of the day, I fill all four of my freezers and feed all of my kids with wild game. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, but, you know, we can we can disagree on those issues and still realize that, hey, we need a healthy economy and we need to uh, focus on the wildlife populations before we're worried about who gets to kill what. You yeah. know, if we have healthy populations, we wouldn't even be having some of these conversations. Yeah. Brawl, hunt, and be happy. Yeah. I mean, that, that topic's heating up, man. Oh. The Amber Road thing is heating up big time. I keep seeing all kind of feeds and, mm-hmm. and all well, kinds. And, and based on the conversation we had with Forrest, who was a helicopter pilot for uh, surveyors, mm-hmm. sounds like that thing's going down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just based on the financing and manpower, and and you know, they're moving that direction. Yeah. 
Yeah. They want it yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not here announcing it's yeah. happening. But the opposition, project, the but opposition is definitely ramping up. Yeah, big time. Yeah. It, right. they got logos. They got I, t-shirts. I, they got everything. I, I feel like if they meet in the middle on the public access, then the thing has a shot. Well, I, I think, think yeah, I think the state's taking. So what the governor did with the West Sioux is such a good strategy because opposition their biggest drum they've beaten from the start of that project is there's no public access and ada's gone back and forth blah 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 i can show you a video on the aoc youtube channel of the head of ada directly saying 100 percent public access yeah matsu's requirement for that road is 100 percent public access the state from the beginning has said 100 percent public access but i think opposition knew that if people were able to get a new recreational road that they could access that they're they, it, their opposition would go down in flames, right? Mm. So that's been the biggest thing. So the state took even a bigger step forward and said, you know what? That first 15 miles, man, DOT can build that road. And then what we're going to do at the end of it, we're going to put a boat launch at the Big Sioux, and we're going to put a camping area, a mm-hmm. recreational area right yeah. there. And mm-hmm. these people that say, whoa, no public access. It's like, no, we just created a new public use area. Yeah, totally. Because like yeah. we just talked about at the start of this conversation is the amount of access and area for Alaskans is Man. shrinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. When's the last time we built a new road in Alaska? Yeah, yeah where is it? Yeah, new when boat is launch? that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> new boat launch. <laughs> 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 Those things yeah. get built. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can we start in Whittier? Yeah. <laughs> um, the new harbor. I got you guys' actual YouTube page up. Is that is that a super long video? Can we find that little it, section? It is pretty long, but um, can we pinpoint it if you? Uh, yep. Um, he says it right Ooh, at the beginning. Look at that lake trout. I know. Uh, up, up, up. Probably go back to the top. Oh, back to the top. Yeah, just click on the AOC channel right there, Alaska Outdoor Council. Oh, I thought I was on the page. Oh, here we go. Uh, multi-use roads, West Usitna, Namler, Ada. Well, it's nineteen minutes. Well, we're yeah. not going to listen to the whole thing. He said yeah. it's just in the beginning. Okay. We're going to have Brandon Prezinski. Look at you all. Uh, yeah, cleaned Whoa. up, man. Yeah. 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 Deputy executive Tell that's not during hunting season. season. <laughs> <laughs> Looking official, bro. Talking about the uh, West Sea Road, potential access for millions of acres of public land. All right. <clears throat> hey, good afternoon. Um, I'm Brandon Brevshinsky. That was pretty close. Um, I want to thank you guys for inviting us here today uh, to talk about the West Susitna Access Project. Um, with me, I also have Josie Wilson. She's our External Affairs Director. Um, oh, we're good to go. Well, while we work to get the presentation up, um, you know, I'll just talk a little bit about the project, as you're all aware. Um, this has been, you know, talked about for, oh, we're good to go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's do it. He's not nervous. Yep. Nope. <laughs> all right. A little bit about ADA first. So our mission um, our mission is to promote and develop and advance the economic growth in Alaska. Um, over the years, we've returned about $460 million to the state in the form of a dividend. Um, and we've been involved in about $3.5 billion worth of investment. <clears throat> so the West of Sitna Access Project is about a 100-mile-long road starting west of Big Lake, and it'll end at the uh, Squentna River at the base of the Alaska Range. Um, within this, ro- this route, within a 10-mile radius of this route, there's 73,000 acres of land, and of that, 61% is either state, uh, local, and there's like a small amount, I'm talking like 100 acres of federal land. Um, this road's entirely on federal land. I'm sorry, <laughs> this road is entirely on state land. Um, the other ownership uh, uh, composition is private or native lands.
So I know there's been a lot of talk or rumor that, you know, is this road going to be public? Is this road going to be private? I'm here today to tell you this road's going to be public, 100% public access year-round. So, yep. We, we got our instructions. He so said it. That's what the governor wants. <laughs> Hell yeah. He won't have to deny that. He <laughs> just said it right there on YouTube. Okay. Well, there it is. <laughs> what do you think the chances are that road goes in? Um, I think this is going to be a long process, 100%. The 15 miles, mm -hmm. 100% is going to go in. Mm -hmm. No doubt. The first 15? The governor is like 100% going to push it. Yeah. Um, and that includes a bridge? Yeah. The I'd first 15? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, you know that he he's been kind of kind of staked on that. Like if we can't build a road on state land yeah. in our own state, like yeah. you know, you, you probably heard Sullivan talk about a million times. You know, when he's in D.C., that every time we try to build anything or make a decision, we get sued by hundreds of organizations. Yeah, yeah. You know, to do anything. So the state is kind of making a point to mm -hmm. build those fifteen miles of road because we can. Right? Yeah. yeah, there's and, no opposition really when it comes to it being our shit. And if you ask the people of Kenai how they would feel about the people in the valley having opportunity to go out and fish their own dip net fishery that exists where that bridge is going, mm -hmm. how they would feel about it, I guarantee you're going to yeah. have some support. What mm -hmm. is that the yet now? Or which one is it? Uh, the dip net fishery? I think it's on the Big Sioux. Oh, it's just the yeah. Big Sioux. Okay. Yeah, we, we actually raffled off a trip. Um, Andy Couch does uh, trips to Fishtails Guide Service oh, okay. out, out for mm -hmm. that dip net fishery now oh, because right cool. now nobody has access to it, right? right. They can't get mm -hmm. to it. So if they have a own boat launch um, yeah. where people from the valley can go do their own fishing right there yeah. at home yeah. um, and then get a lot more people probably involved in the fishery politics here in the valley, which would definitely be a good thing. Yeah, I bet. Mm. Yeah. The 15 miles goes from Big Lake to, where, what's the? What does it end? Where does it end? Yeah. Well, it's directly in line with, uh, well, I guess, we if you pulled up oh. the YouTube video, or if you go on Ada's website, there's a, a tab for it, but it shows, it's going to connect directly with where the other end of the road's going to go. Okay, I was just curious where that, like, start and finish at 15 miles is because the whole road is going to be like 40 something miles the, the entire road over 100 over 100 oh, yeah. okay I was uh, way it, off. it ties into existing road systems right like up yeah uh, it's going to tie in, yeah all the way up into the alaska range right you know? and and that's where you get a lot of the opposition from lodge and resort owners is right there mm -hmm. yeah because they're like hey we don't want you know a large amount of people in here hunting but at the end of the day it's just hey the you know i guide you know the areas and the resources that we hunt are public resources at the right. end of the day so it's like yeah you're utilizing public resources you know you're mad that the public's going to be able to come in and access around resources right and when <laughs> you when you fly that route there are public camp or private cabins the whole route oh yeah you know oh, you just every like man. quarter mile there's another strip another strip another strip there's a nonprofit that's supporting the road, Friends of the West Sioux. And yeah, they're all landowners that are like, yeah, we want this road. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's a lot of opposition from people local in the area too that have resorts and lodges mm -hmm. that are like, hey, you're going to kill our business. Um, but then there's a lot of local owners that are like, yeah, I'll be able to drive to my own cabin now. Yeah, totally. Mm. You know, and the road isn't going to change what's there, right? Right. Um, it's going to have impact. Yeah, we have an impact every time we go outside, right? right. But we just talked about fishing game management and all that. You know, um, people aren't going to go out there and wipe out all the fish, right? No. Because no. there has to be, 
what's there is there. Still right? managed. And it's still managed, right? There's still going to be moose, and they're going to be like, oh, man, you're going to shoot out all the moose population. And I was like, oh, man, is that why nobody hunts the Denali Highway? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, nobody yeah. fishes Russian because, man, there's yeah, no fish left that's there. Right, yeah. That's right. It's like, come on. Yeah. We're, it's well, 2023. How can, how can we say that a dirt road, right, is going to wipe out wildlife populations 2023. I got a computer yep. in my pocket that can teach me how to speak Chinese. You're telling oh, me yeah. we can't build a road? Totally. Yeah, and and if anybody's ever recreated the area, it's some badass bush, dude. Yeah, it is. It's not just like wide open moose everywhere. <laughs> like, dude, it's thick yeah. ass forest, thick nature. It's yep. It's not like head high ferns, baby. Yeah, I man, know. it's so gnarly in there, man. You're not gonna ACL territory. What's that? ACL territory. <laughs> <laughs> Take one wrong step. <laughs> in, in terms of beauty, I think the Knick has got it beat by a mile, right? In terms of natural oh, beauty yeah. in the area, right? And dude, how many people access the Knick oh, man. all the time? Yeah. 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 It's like, what are you talking about? Are you telling me that there's no populations of wildlife left in the Knick? No. Because, well, man, I've spent some time in the last year, and uh, there's definitely some stuff out there. Yeah, Lots yeah. of critters. Yeah, no, I don't, just don't see it happening. We're going to see how much you really know. Oh, snap. All right. Apparently, you already answered a couple of questions earlier, so <laughs> yeah. he knows a lot. Yeah, so he did answer some questions. So we're, we'll try to go to next level on those questions. So one of the, oh. the questions was when... Uh, when uh, the Alaska Outdoor Council was formed, and we we I know. said it earlier. What is it? 1955. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and then how many groups and where were they from that formed it? Oh, we're expanding. Well, he he actually gave he that 30, answer too. Oh, oh 60. What, 30 or no, 60? When they when it was formed. Oh, when it was and, first formed. How many were there? And oh, where were they what from? Did he say like 45. That's a little high. I said 30. Oh. 30? Three. There's three. Three. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Three, yeah. three started. Matt Valley Sportsmen, Territorial Sportsmen's in Juneau, and then Tananaw Valley, which are all three oh, right. still sporting good Three, and those 45. Areas. I mean, yeah. there's just... So, <laughs> so those were my first trivia <laughs> questions. So I tried to go, like, next level on the next one uh, after right. that. And I so, answered it in classic fashion. So Way how, off. <laughs> <laughs> so how many are there now? So how Man. many sporting clubs are under... And part of a um, the Alaska Outdoor Council. Twenty-eight, thirty-one. You know that I got the number off the website, so you might have a more updated number. Uh, but current m- current clubs with paid dues is twenty-eight. Yeah, that's it. Whoa. Hell yeah! There's, there. There's fifty-one on the website. Damn. Ask me next week; it'll probably change. All right. Okay. So, All right. oh, it fluctuates. They well, pull in and pull out. Well, you see, it, it's like every membership-based organization, uh-huh. right? So if you have. Um, you know, like at our banquet every year, like everybody does big membership drives around our banquet. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So in September, we might have 500 members and then we'll have a banquet and we'll have 650 because uh, yeah. everybody's like, oh, yeah, I need to renew. Jump on. Oh, yeah. The, right, right. One of our biggest is like the state fair every mm. year. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah I, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot to do you got a nice little setup over there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's great that you guys are out there. Are you well, physically there those two weeks? Uh, the that's like prime honey. That's why yeah, I hate the fair. I really <laughs> despise the fair schedule, but I absolutely am there every day because 
when that is the perfect place to tell people about the issues and i'll sure. spend an hour talking to one person rather than making 200 dollars in raffle tickets i want to make sure he knows about those issues and i usually turn those guys into life members so yeah yeah That's and they nice. spread the word too right That's awesome. oh yeah thousand mm-hmm. percent so uh, since we missed out on that one we could do another riddle though it's not a last miss out on shit dog i hit it on the head <laughs> you, <laughs> two, eight. He was you win a sticker <laughs> nice <laughs> I just meant, meant like we miss out on two trivia questions because oh, we already okay. knew the answer. We, yeah, but I have yeah. one that's a little different. Okay. It's not Alaska. It's a it's a riddle, so it'll just be more fun. A riddle. Okay. Sure. Okay. Right. So trivia is trivia. So turn so, it up, Daniel. Turn it up. Shoot. <laughs> okay. So uh, that when Oedipus comes up and tries to get by the Sphinx, he at the Sphinx the Sphinx asks him a question. Okay. He said, "Which creature has one voice yet becomes four footed?" two-footed and three-footed i'll repeat that again so which creature has one voice and yet becomes four-footed and two-footed and then three-footed i am am and i've heard this before stumped i'm overthinking it a lot I'm at a complete loss. I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this, it's a, man. Cr- it's a creature? Yeah. Say it again one more time. The three-footed right. part gets me. I'm like, what? Which creature has one voice and yet becomes four-footed and two-footed and then three-footed? So it can uh, be all this uh, in there. Human beings? Okay. <laughs> Good yeah. No, it is. That's the answer? Right. Because you, when you're born, you crawl. Oh snap! Right, uh, and then when oh, you're shit. when you're like an uh, on a healthy adult, you have two, and then when you fall and like you like <laughs> lose your ACL or become an old man, you have a cane. So it's three. That's right. yeah. Oh, so, oh shit! Uh, so it is a human. So good oh, job, damn, bud. You're on point. Today. Yeah, dude. killed it. Yeah. You know, I, I was off by a few with the three to forty-eight thing, but I really recovered. I'm, I'm, I'm two for three. Dude, the three-footed thing got me. I was like, what? All right, so that there's part sense. to this. I knew it had so, to, like, encompass something, like, big and, like, one thing. Like, So I, there's part yeah. two to this one, too. So right, so after he answered it right, the Sphinx wasn't very happy with Oedipus and asked him another one. So he said, Didn't there are two answer. sisters. One gives birth to the other, and she, in turn, gives birth to the first. Who are the two sisters? Salmon. <laughs> That could be right, actually, but that—that's not the answer. But that maybe. <laughs> you want me to read it again, or you get, you know what it was? Say it one more time. Okay. There are two sisters. One gives birth to the other, and she in turn gives birth to the first. Who are the two sisters? Mm. Sleeping mm. lady. Solstice. <laughs> mm. It's definitely a nature thing for sure. I whiffed this one, guys. Sorry, it's listeners, like if you're rooting me or on. something. It's day and night. Uh, oh, I was close. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. But anyway, those are cool. Those yeah. were like side ones I had as backup if we ever lose the question. Oh, the question is answered right that was, away. The, was that the pivot? <laughs> yeah, that was like my. Those were like my old backup. I had to go to the list. It's like, okay, here's a backup that hits. Oh, I think it is like the same thing, like salmon or something. It's like, yeah. okay, where they go, they die. They could create more of them. Yeah. yeah, the salmon one was mm. really good. I was like, oh, maybe I should just say that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt anybody's gonna fact check this yeah, shit. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, that one's a good one though. Yeah. That yeah. was good. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have to get more backup questions, man. Usually yep. at three is good. 
but now I'm going to do like five just there in case go. we lose. Well, we had to bring in like a super smart dude. Today. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, usually like when people are talking about what they love and stuff, they don't actually like start at the origin, you know, like yeah. it, it kind of like skips over some of the cool facts. Well, it, it was like just staggering when I first took over AOC because of that. I mean, think about an organization that's been around before statehood. Yeah, it's rad. And, yeah, no shit. And looking at the amount of people, like big names today that have been oh, involved, yeah. is just like whoa. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at the your issue section and just all the different names on those things. I was like, <laughs> pretty impressive and some awards you have that award section yeah it's pretty impressive all the, the names oh, yeah, on the that too achievement awards yes well yeah. some of the people have been involved you know sydney huntington awards you know when like growing up and you know being in the younger part of the hunting community and reading books like by jim rudin and stuff and reading about these people mm-hmm. and then being part of an organization that was around when these people were around yeah. it's like whoa right yeah um being such a successful draw hunter what do you have uh what is there something left on the bucket list for you oh man the um in alaska yeah bison bison okay so you're still this year you get that one i'm sure 100 <laughs> percent with the bow <laughs> oh yeah I, i'm a like, full-time bow how did guy i now. draw the farewell and delta <laughs> yeah which one do you put in for <laughs> uh i think i'm gonna roll the dice and just two 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 any mini miny mo and pick one yeah yeah uh, because there's some you know, every year I used to just pick some wild tags that I'm like, oh, I'll probably never draw this. And then I drew the first uh, first time I drew the Chugach any ram tag with a bow. And I'm like, holy cow. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I drew four tags that year and everybody wanted to kill me. Oh, I bet. That, oh, yeah. that, that okay, started. Now, I'm kind of sort of pissed at you. <laughs> that, that's what started Podcast the bad reputation. We might have to maybe go fight in a second. Like, that's four push, tags. That's, that's unbelievable, it. man. Yeah, that's I wanted like to go to Vegas. Man. What year was that? Oh, man. It was. I don't know. It was probably about six years ago, I bet. Did yeah, you hunt what, them you all? Th- oh, hell yeah. I hunted. <laughs> Dude, I had three weeks on, three weeks off. I took an entire hitch off work. I was single at the time, and I hunted for nine weeks straight. Hell yeah. Wow, I went awesome. to Kodiak, did a solo goat, shot my first goat with my bow, flew my brother in. We flew over to Fognac, hunted elk, killed a bull, got back, hunted. Um, I missed a ram at 50 yards, shot over the top of him, solo hunted that one. Drove up to Fairbanks and shot a cow off the management area. Hell yeah. Damn, nice. bro. That's awesome. Dude, I will never draw a tag and not hunt it. That's like a black scent. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that a couple of times, and uh, it sucks doing that. Yeah, it like, just feels like, ugh. ugh. I did no. not want to hunt goats in August this year, but that's the only ha- time I had, and I'm like, man, this is somebody else's opportunity. If I don't go hunt it, I have to go. Yeah. 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 Um, if you could only fill the freezer with one species blacktail blacktail oh yeah 100 yeah, they're good mm, man. that's yeah. your favorite no oh. you have a favorite um, dish like prepared wise oh well my wife uh i don't know just fries them throws them in flowers throw them in there okay mm, simple. Like, yeah yeah like a perfect. pork chop mm, yep yeah 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 i like doing that i do that a lot at camp mm-hmm. i do kind of like i'll pound them mm-hmm. a little bit flat like a little okay. cutlet or mm-hmm. like a chicken fried steak yeah mm-hmm. yeah i dig that little mayo and ketchup can't mm. go wrong man Yum. i do love goat burger too um which you won't hear very many people say we eat it a lot but i goat and not the burger form like i remember the first time i shot a goat i was so happy to cook that thing over the fire uh-huh. and i was still chewing it two days later yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so they are really lean chewy yeah. well jack uh, I mean, has a great goat enchilada yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that yeah, totally yeah. switched my mind on 
goat. Yeah, man, yeah, those are delicious. are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the back straps aren't too bad, dude. No, it really depends, I think, with any animal. I don't know if you ever looked into Larry Bartlett's on, like, the science behind killing animals and how they're killed and how it affects taste and mm-hmm. how it affects the pH levels in meat. Oh, mm-hmm. man, uh, you guys want some... Get Larry Bartlett on the show. He All right. Like Larry Bartlett. He's local? Uh, Fairbanks. Okay. Pristine Ventures. He okay. owns Pristine Ventures. Yeah, I've heard okay. of Larry. Um, you know, and even, like, there's so many things that affect an individual animal. I've had so many people that are like, oh, moose meat's gamey, right? I don't eat moose meat. And it's like, well, how how was that moose shot? Yeah. How, how fast did it kill? How long did you hang it? Mm-hmm. What was the temp when you hung it? How dirty did the meat get? How well did you take care of it? Right there. Right. Like, we are stupid OCD about it. Mm-hmm. Um, can't always be because I, I've shot animals in some of the dirtier places on yeah. the planet. Or hot outside. Uh, or wet, Kodiak. Mm-hmm. Um, Kodiak, Flies. if you go down there and hunt goats, man, it's it's wet everywhere right. all mm-hmm. the time. That's the challenge is to keep yeah. them dry. Right. We've, we've had our meat in the tent before mm. because it's down and sideways. Yeah. Where do yeah. you put it? It's, do you, yeah. What do you even do? Yeah. So. Um, Gear-wise being a big backpack hunter um what is something that is maybe new that you're like man i'm so glad this is created um a new piece of something that's like man this has got to come with me well there's a i don't know about super new but there's a couple pieces of gear that like literally changed the field like thermosel jet boil mm. i mean like i literally don't i mean i've carried my jet boil everywhere mm-hmm. anywhere right there's just some some things that uh, yeah. i couldn't do what i do with yeah, it's like jet boil headlight uh, it doesn't yeah. go yeah does um, not go in the pack <laughs> the thermocells right. is game changer though yeah. yeah oh man i can tell the minute in my bear bait station that i ran out of fuel in that the minute yeah. Yeah. where i literally just reach over oh yep shut off change it yeah. yeah um but you know there's some gear i think we just get too crazy about the gear these days way too crazy i mean we're doing like paying 90 dollars for underwear and, and oh man and it's yeah, just like are. dude i'm like you know what you need you need proficiency in your weapon you need good boots and a positive mental attitude. Yeah. yeah. And that'll carry you through 90% of the crap out there. Yeah. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Uh, people true. are like, dude, yeah, you need a Zorowski. I mean, I'm not digging on Zorowski at all. Don't get me wrong. They are beautiful, awesome optics, you know. But I've killed four to six bears for the first four or five years of guiding with Vortex Diamondback. Yeah. Right? Like, could I have done a better job with Zorowski? Sure. Absolutely. But, yeah. you know, it's like. Doing tr- trophy judgment as a guide and that whole thing. Right. Yeah. There's, I mean, yeah, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. You know, nobody starts guiding and be like, hey, let me buy a $4,000 oh, optic man. when you're making $100 a day to pack moose meat. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, dude, I, especially now going into full time bow hunting, you know, my 100% advice to anybody hunting is proficiency with your weapon. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. And the, the fortitude to not take a shot. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, because that's tough. Yeah, That's especially tough. as a bow hunter, it's like, oh man, he, he, I had to shoot and take a frontal shot and I hit him wrong and he ran off. I was like, well, did you have to take that? Yeah. And that's yeah. easy to say setting here. Mm-hmm. I know that. But, yeah. um, you know, it's like, dude, they are living animals, you know. What yeah. about favorite, um, yeah, dude, jet boil meal? Dried. Ooh man, gotta love that beef stroganoff from Mountain House. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's a dude, classic. Those those peak refuels yeah. are coming in strong, dude. Are, dude. But kind of taking over, man. With a little bit of at risk. I mean, Chad Mendez. Don't get me wrong. Dudes in the outdoors does some great stuff. But the signature meals, having a little doubt. Having a little doubt on some of them. I'm like, dude, you guys make some great stuff. I get it. 
I, I love a lot of your stuff, but some of the Chad Mendes meals. I haven't had the Chad Mendes ones. I've had all the other ones. I've had some, the elk one. The, um, isn't an elk stroganoff? Yeah, I think so. And yeah. then like a bison chili. And I find those ones to be kind of chalky. I will say on um, the on the biscuits and gravy, though, I just spent oh like two weeks eating peak the other day. Oh, <laughs> that's dude, the biscuits, that's a <laughs> three-man meal. But you need to take them out. And beat the crap out of those biscuits they put in there, because if not, they will be two little hockey bucks, man. Yeah, 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 you, yeah you don't yeah. break those things up. Holy cow! Well, what I what I found, you can just pound them on your hand. I feel like you can't even. Before that's you like a day it? off yeah. meal, yeah, dude. Yeah. You can't eat that thing, yeah, right, dude. You're just like, that. no way. I know. Jammed. I'm a I'm a light breakfast guy, and I'm very, you know, when I was talking to Kurt, you know, we both kind of have this mindset that it's like. I'm out there to enjoy time, but I'm not out there to cook. You know, like when I went yeah. to Unimac, I I just carried one can of the breakfast uh, granola and two can two of the ten pound cans. Uh, one was lasagna and one was beef stroganoff, and that's what I ate the entire hunt. Mm. Um, because I'm like I I I need fuel, but I am here to hunt. Yeah, and so and that's my mentality that a lot of people wouldn't like the hunting with me because I'm like coffee necessity but after yep. coffee maybe some oatmeal after that it's time to go i yep. never eat an actual lunch i just move through bars throughout yep. the day constantly focus on calories out throughout the day yeah and then i i cut my toothbrush in half yeah like every single mm-hmm. thing yep. is like so you're not packing half. are you packing the baby bottle full of creamer Oh yeah, you know it. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> Hell no, dude. He's <laughs> compromised. He's like toothbrush. Uh, yeah, yeah. Creamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, we're good. Yeah. It only weighs like the weight of fifty toothbrushes. But yeah. <laughs> when we wake up in the morning in our guide camp or on personal hunts, the jet boil is close enough to fire up. Before yeah, we totally. Leave oh 100%. yeah, before you get out of your bag. I, I live off coffee, but I uh, one thing that I do that is a little weight. Uh, heavy that most people don't do is I have something hot to drink in the morning and night every oh, night. Yeah, mm. I yeah. always yes. at, mm-hmm. always yeah. in the evening. Yeah, period. yeah. The beef, uh, the uh, the bone broth, or what are you drinking at night? Uh, I always do apple cider. Okay. And yeah. usually oh. my clans are like, oh, you know, no, 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 I'm I'm good. And then after about day three, they're like, hey, got some, yeah, yeah, got yeah. some extra. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> little shot of whiskey in there. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. Jameson and apple cider. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. We always Splash. did the sassy. Like, what do you got? Oh, I got some of this. Oh, you got some of the tang. We got some of that, and we'll just. It's like it emergency together. tang tea. Um. Whatever, uh, whatever was I had those um yeah, like a tang thing one time. I had those bags. Uh, I forget what the hell they were like. Uh, electrolyte, kind of like a uh, liquid IV kind of a mm. pouch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Those things would like invigorate the soul, dude. Mm. You drink yeah. that before you go to bed. It was yeah, like it just running you through up your blood and, and like. Uh. Dude, one thing in the drink mixes, the uh, Fanta drink mixes. Have you guys had those? Mm-mm. Oh, bro, really? Yeah, it's like a powder. Like, yeah, and in your water. Uh-huh. Man, they have them at Fred Meyer's. Right. We keep them in all our guide camps. So it's like that. orange citrus? Yeah, like orange or raspberry. All right. okay. Everybody's like, eh, I don't know. It's the first few days. I'm like, just try it. Yeah, and every, right. every day, everybody's carrying like a handful of them. In do they pocket. have electrolytes? or No, just oh just yeah. Flavor I do the, re- the crystal light ones. Right. They're like that, yeah. And then I put gin in them. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> you got to have a variety, man. Yeah, dude, yeah. totally. It's like, what about a candy? Candy, I, I'm not big on candy. No. Uh, I, I'm weird, man. I don't like chocolate. I'm not big on sweet stuff in general. Um, so, like, on the mountain, I'm yeah. like, uh, I, fo- I do focus on, like, I always bring, like, some caribou sticks or whatever hunter sticks I made the year before. If mm-hmm. I get a blackbird, usually have some of those. The first couple days, you know, I'll, I'll typically bring some, like, heavy fat stuff mm-hmm. that people are like, God, why did you break, cut all this weight? And then yeah. you 
brought a can of oysters. Yeah. It's like, well, because well, I'll, I'll eat it. I'm going to eat that the very first day. I'm not going to pack it for 10 days. Yeah, right? yeah. And then yeah. that like, you know, calorie deficit is going to be starved off a little bit longer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, longest I've been out there is 17 days before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Ooh. didn't really have a crazy deficit. I mean, and even like I biked the hall road one time to Healy. And even then, as long as I'm like maintaining meals throughout the day mm-hmm. and getting those calories in, you know, you can stave off that calorie deficit for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about shelter? What's your um, go-to these days? The MSR Advanced Pro 2, which a lot of people would not like. But again, I'm, I like to suffer for a little bit of, you know, weight savings. So it's got no vegetable, but it is a one-man bomb shelter. Like I was up in Marcus Baker and I got lifted off the ground in my tent. Mm. Damn. And, and it's got carbon fiber poles. It's a single wall tent. It's got like 14 guidelines. And even when I was on Unimac, I had it because it's sub three pounds. Mm-hmm. So the spotting scope on the t- side of a Barney's or Stone Glacier, it can fit in there. The entire nice. tent can. So. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's super So much convenient. space saved. And I'm not a, bi- a bivy guy. So I'm like, you can pull it out, throw it up in under a minute. It's got two poles that are connected. And you guy that thing down and got himself. It's not moving that tight. Yeah, right. I mean, it is nice. absolutely. So you had bomb it tied proof. down, and the wind was like lifting oh, you up. Oh, funny story on that. On that. I, <laughs> oh I, man, uh, I'm trying to envision it. Like, I, was, I, <laughs> I made a really bad decision on that hunt and got in a bit of a hurry, um, right post fair. And I was in there. Oh, just itching. Just like, too oh, many pork chops on a stick. And all my stuff, and I got cheese curds, uh. dude, and forgot the steaks for my tent. Oh, oh, my oh God. God. Dude. On a goat hunt. A critical like, component, bro. <laughs> it was so <laughs> bad. So, so, you know, I just Not had to, like, sleeping very well. Tied to rocks and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it was, like, we had, had that, like, uh, tropical storm come across the Pacific, and that's what happened is, like, I was up at 5,000 feet in a saddle, and it was, like, the wind would come down one side and just hammer one side of the tent. And then a few minutes later, it'd switch and hammer the other side. Oh. And where it's, like, literally started pushing me across the saddle. And I was camped in the rocks. It's not like I was, like, a dumbass and just camped in the Out wide the open, open with no right. cover. Like, I was, like, in a little boulder field, the only, like, cover you can. And I was, like, that is by far the highest winds. I mean, I've had that tent in 65 knots in Kodiak multiple times. And I don't Which know. Which you'd think would test it to the limit. Right. I don't know, like, what it hit on top of that mountain that yeah, night. But yeah. it was, like, holy cow. Like hurricane like, type shit. Yeah. You know, where you put this sleeping bag over your head and you're, like, if a tent Goes treads, on. I'm just <laughs> yeah, going to put my down. head, you know. That's yeah. why I don't run floorless shelters, you know, that. that oh, you want to talk about lifts. it? Well, yeah. Like, we did that on a spring Kodiak goat hunt on the south end. February to heat a tent, the Kavari Sawtooth, and mm-hmm. it picked up like 70 one night. And where me and my buddy are just started grabbing our gear and putting it in our backpacks because we're like, dude, the tent's going to go. And mm-hmm. then what do you do? Yeah. yeah. Like your tent's gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sit there in your ring gear. I know you guys have ran some teepees on a couple spots and on sheep hunts. I, I'm even considering this next one taking the teepee mm-hmm. just because, I mean, you can't beat the weight savings. Yeah. But yeah. like in those high wind areas, nah. Yeah. And we've been in some yeah. wins with that thing, though. I wouldn't bring yeah. a TP to Kodiak, dude. Oh, There's for Kodiak? No, no fucking no, no, way. No, no, yeah. no, no, that's, no. That's too... Yeah. Kazugi Ridge? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know the what absolutely amazed me again this year, which their repetition speaks for itself, is those guidance from Cabela's, man. I was in oh, dude. Unimac, and I was... You're talking about, like, the six and... Yeah, four and yeah. six man. Those are the guide the models. Models. Like, man, yeah. live by that. You can't convince me that there's a better tent for the price on the market. No. Nope. Like, those are so underpriced. Don't yes. hear, hear yep. these Cabela's. No, they're <laughs> no, awesome. They're good where well, they're Well, I mean, but yeah. 
yeah. they're um and, and here in town my buddy alaska liquidation outfit uh outlet um you know you can get them from him half price what and they're almost new like i got a whole fleet of tents from him 50 percent off you know that look brand new and so i just had that one on unimac and it blew 70 for three days and that tent like didn't, didn't even budge. move yeah. yeah it is so impressive yeah yeah and then it has that badass vestibule on it. Oh, They're yeah. built for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exact I, shit. Alaska Mountain Gear in Palmer too. If you, <laughs> if you take them in Airframes Stove Jack, mm-hmm. they'll sell your Stove Jack in there. And then oh. uh, I, I think had it was a, you that did that. Yeah, yeah. And so if you put that Stove Jack with a new way stove in it, uh-huh. it'll be if it's eleven degrees outside. You can sleep at cot level at 50 degrees on low for 60 hours. Wow. 60 really? hours. That's insane. Damn. Yeah. Me and my wife did that with Helinox cots on the south end on her goat hunt two years ago. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, I'll never Just sleep in a cabin on Kodiak up. again. Yeah. Like, that was perfect. That's wow. awesome. What about bags? Bags, I'm all over the place. Um, we tried the hiking bikes because the affordability with the down bags, if you've seen those, you can get like, 20, 15 degree bags for 150 bucks. I'm not really certain on their ratings. I'm a terrible person to ask because if you ask my wife, I'm a heater. Like, I will. She's know, freezing your house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, we were on a Kodiak <laughs> hunt. It was. Yeah, <laughs> why like, are they always cold? I never have a bag that's colder than 20 degrees ever. Oh. Um, you know, and yeah. I've slept it down to negative four in Kodiak. I just don't do that. But I also, if it gets like cold to that point, um, I did. Um, a podcast with Tim Hewitt, who's done the race across Alaska on foot like 10 times. The dude's a cyborg. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but what he does, he's done that race unsupported at 65 below zero on the Yukon. And sure. what he does is sleeps in his sled and puts his parka over the top of him. Mm. And if you ever got cold in your tent or whatever, know it's going to get cold. Just even just a rain jacket, yeah. throw it over the top of you. You will be amazed. Totally. And yeah, so Enlightened equipment, I run those during sheep season. Mm. Big believer in mountain hardware stuff. You really can't go wrong with that. But uh, I'm a total mutt when it comes to gear. You know, like right now, Stone Glacier, Kuyu. Yeah. I, yeah. I wear what works, crispy. Yeah. You know, if it works, yeah. it works. Yeah. Um, I, like I, that, I like that style. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, just kind of having a hodgepodge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like mean, this the, piece blares good with this piece because, you know, yeah. the sleeve's not too long. This one, I mean, there's just 100 different things that yep. right stone glacier they they don't have full zips on the legs they have venting i don't like that i run the cryptic altitude and that just as good full zips pit zips great camouflage too as a bow hunter you know so i wear cryptic rain gear but stone glacier layers stone glacier pack unless i'm packing moose or big bears and it's of course barneys yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah any questions for us mm, nope i don't never ask that yeah, yeah, and no, I was random. I was like, Ooh, yeah, put them on the spot. Put them on the spot. Yeah, I was like, cool. oh yeah, I got, I, I do got some questions. There we go. There we Where, go. Where's your guys' draw tag strategy? Yeah, uh, same as yours for me now. Oh. Just choose it all six. Yep. Actually, I went this year like day three of the, and I've done where I wait till the last day to put them in, and I've I've done the party thing, and this year I went like day two, let it open six 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 on all of them. Yeah, I like to uh, mostly go back to the same spot since I never draw, and then I, <laughs> I do mostly all the same one. Just mm. it's it's easier, and I'd rather just. I kind of didn't like the one two three option growing up, and mm. so I probably that's why I do it. And then uh, and then I like to do one um, party hunt a year, just one, just 
I've actually drawn the party hunt more times than than um. The other hey, ones. I partied with him once. Yep. So yeah, yeah. on one. Yeah, we partied one uh, this year. But then, um, but this year my strategy is a little different. I, I picked I picked new spots. Mm. So I've heard a lot of first time drawers, a lot of people that are like, yeah, it's the first time I ever applied, and and a lot of my tags have been. You yeah. Know, there's a couple that I continue to apply for because, like, like on elk, I always apply for the same one because there's only so many tags, and, yeah. and that tag has the best statistical chance of me drawing. Is right. I, I always apply for that one. Yeah, mm. yeah. Even if the access is hard, I mean, you just uh, I don't focus on access at all. You're not worried about that? No, I okay. I pick a species I want to hunt. Um, there you go. Certain animals like moose. There's only one place in the state I want to hunt moose. Yep. Period. Yeah. Mm. Um. So I only apply for that. Yeah. Um, because I don't like crawling through swamps and waders. I mean, that's just me. I'm a mountain guy, right? So sure. if I'm, I'm going to hunt moose, I'm going to draw it on the south side of the Brooks Range where I can glass them, right, and bow mm-hmm. hunt them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but everything else is based on stats, solely based on stats. And maybe that's what's helped me. I don't yeah. know. I, I do but, nerd out hard on the stats, dude. Yeah. As an engineer, it's just like, I love it, dude. And then I will save the booklets for like three years, and I'll be able to be oh, like, okay, there's the a trend here. This one's like getting higher every oh, year. Oh, damn. I've oh, never gone back I, and checked. I, I do nerd out on the. the so you go back and look at like three or four years of supplements and see how the trends are. Usually three. Okay, so mm. how many like people put in for it? All the numbers. How many permits they gave out? They give you the the last year statistics. Right. Yeah. So then I yeah. look at the, the last three year statistics. Just got a spreadsheet built. And then you start kind of like trend it out. You want to really nerd out? Yeah. Think about the fact that our this conversation we're having right now is going to affect yeah, those yeah. stats. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. And then you got to think about all the current events happening in Alaska. Yeah. Oh, those totally. are going to affect. You're going to totally. be like, ooh, should I really go hunt 40 mile because it's going to be packed as an yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, But at the end of the day, with all of them, you just got to go hunt, man. Yeah. That's, that's right. I mean, yeah, totally. You just got to go put in a thousand percent and kill it. Yeah. Right? That's all it comes yeah. down to. Yep. Yeah. Like sheep hunts and goat hunts, like relying on harvest statistics like we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. it's like how many people okay i land at this lake and it's three thousand elevation all around super steep how many people have the fortitude to go up there to kill it oh totally man oh yeah yeah still got to put in the work the other thing though is like i don't go just on statistics like i mean i'll go to area i want to try out and then i i call my pilot friends Mm. And I'm like, hey, have you been in here in the last couple of years? How's it looking compared to Usulak or compared to these other areas? Right. Mm. So it's like if it, they're definitely not the best percentage. Mm. They're like p- the best percentage of places I want to go. And like one that I'm hoping that like less people put in for. You well, know? 100% I do want to say that everybody should, just because I don't look at the access. Yeah. Everybody should look at the access because <laughs> well, that what, might make or break you even they doing might not go. Like, Oh shit! Right. I can't. don't hunt. Co- There's more tags allocated to Kodiak for bears specifically because people will draw the hunts and not go hunt them, mm-hmm. taking away opportunity from somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. There should be a penalty for that. Yeah, I don't know. You don't think? Uh, or like a forfeit time or something could go to though. somebody Well, else. I think that you, you yeah, know, very it's true. not a black or white penalty, right? It's like these are the circumstances that, like, if you qualify, mm-hmm. then there's no penalty. But if you don't qualify for the one of these circumstances, then. What about the idea, like, hey, I got injured. I can't do this hunt. It's going to be redrawn. Yeah, it, redrawn would be great. I like, think 100% that they you should be able to turn in tags that you're going to 
not, not use. Like yeah. if you know in advance that yeah. no way possible, like military guys, right? They can get them if they're deployed. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get it for the next year, which is totally awesome. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah, but you hundred yeah, percent should be that. able to return that back in, yeah. and it should go to the next person. Yeah, that applied for that. Right. Yeah. yeah. That just and you should out. know, like, hey, you're the next guy. So if some one of these guys decides not, yeah, to go, that would so be then cool. you can kind of be prepared. Like they put like ten in the queue, and you're like, oh, you're number eight. Yeah. Right, yeah. like the governor tags in the Super 7, that's a cool thing about that is all of them are transferable. And mm-hmm. our well, Fognac cool. Bear Hunt raffle, also transferable. So if you win and you just want the brand new gun or the cash prize, well, you can oh. donate it back or you can give it to somebody else and let them have it. That's cool. Oh, that's um, yeah, if you have the financial ability to win a hunt for a bear <coughs> and give it to your grandpa or whatever, well, yeah, then well, you could totally do that. That's really rad. Mm. Yeah. I like that. And the governor yeah. tags include all the... Uh, all of the license and fees as well. Mm. Okay. Uh, any topics we didn't hit? Um, no. Something that, Probably, no? yeah, a lot. I think we went in pretty deep there. But you knew about my bucket list hunts. What are your guys' Alaska bucket list hunts? You um, got one that rises above the rest, like your Everest? Ah, uh, bison. Oh, dude. I want that bison bad. Mm. Yeah. Archery sheep, man. Archery sheep is like, I would love to bucket, like draw the, the bison, but... Man, I've been trying for four or five years with a bow. I missed three ramps. Oh, okay. And you got a, you got a, <laughs> I got a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit of a complex going on there. Oh, dude. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Caleb, for coming in and all the work that you're doing with AOC and anyone that's not involved with AOC. We highly um, encourage you to check out their website and their YouTube and go to one of the events and and stop by the um, the fair and chat chat with these guys. When is the next event? So the next event is uh, March 9th in Fairbanks, the Carlson Center. Okay. Uh, it's our Fairbanks Outdoorsman Banquet. It will be the biggest sportsman's event in Fairbanks ever. Oh, awesome. Wow. We oh, just nice. did our uh, largest event ever in Wasilla, 833 attendees. Uh, oh, over damn. 200 small businesses uh, were involved, um, over a dozen different NGOs, and we're going to bring that same momentum into Fairbanks and not just raise money for this stuff, but uh, we want to hear about issues, right? Yeah. Well, you got a problem? Let me know about it. Every every one of our membership counts. I want to hear from everybody. Where's What's the venue again? Uh, Carlson Center in Fairbanks. Carlson Center. Okay. okay. Yeah, you buy a ticket to our banquet. It's $100. You get entered in to win a brand-new four-wheeler and 25 different guns. Hell right yeah. on, man. Yeah. We give away guns for everybody at our banquets. Yeah. Did you see the, um, the uh, what is that, Subaru dealer that was giving away an AR with everyone that bought a car or something what? like that? A David Dowd. Right? Yeah. yeah. We're friends on Facebook, man. Hell yeah. What what state? Here. Here. Oh. In, yeah. In, the Anchorage in, one? In, in Anchorage, yeah. Oh, wow. Continental, yeah. Continental Subaru did that? No. Oh, it's, it's Continental. He's, um... I, I don't want to misquote where he where his place is, but it's not. You don't even have to buy the car. Okay, it's if you buy an extended warranty, you get an AR. <laughs> That's that is so cool. <laughs> Damn, dude, that is some forward ass awesome. shit right there. My '98 oh, yeah. Dodge needs a new warranty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can, I get, can I get that new two two three warranty? Yeah, <laughs> is that what they're calling it. That's funny. Uh, thanks, Caleb, again for coming in and all the work that you're yeah, doing. Dude. Appreciate it. Like we said, it's been a long time wanting you to come in here and chat with us and hopefully we can make some of your events i know you extended the invite many times um but with kids and all the yep. stuff it's, it's always tough but we do hope to come and support you guys's events because you guys are doing great things yeah thank you thanks for having me on been listening for a while so i appreciate it 
Right. Yeah, man. And uh, I've said this to several other guests, but um, pretty inspirational overall impact on what what the council represents. And it's cool to have some young blood like yourself getting involved. You're passionate about it. You're excited about it. It's growing. Right. Right. It feels like it's actually maybe on an upswing. Oh, uptick yep. uh, right now and so congratulations to you and your efforts and your future plans and keep doing it man appreciate it yeah oh, man. yeah dude thanks for being an advocate for alaska bro we need it hell yeah we need more we need it yeah absolutely. everybody yeah yep thank you alaska get involved and as always stay wild you remember my speaking to you of what i call your overcautiousness are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Big Rays, the Alaskan outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need, tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of aerobic waders. Big Rays, for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects that may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack. Located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge, can't miss the bright red shack. They are the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy 
while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage, is our go-to for powder sleds and utility rigs. Whether you're in the mountains with the flat bill bros, running trap lines, or hauling freight, they have the selection to get you dialed from peaks to the valleys. Find them on Commercial Drive or akmining.com. Should you not claim to be at least his equal in prowess and act upon the claim? I say try. If we never try, we shall never succeed. This proposition is a simple truth, and it's too important to be lost sight of for a moment. If we cannot beat the enemy where he now is, we never can. It is all easy if our troops march as well as the enemy, and it is unmanly to say they cannot do it. <laughs>